Hello everyone, welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 18. It's Unforgiven, 999. Hello everyone, once again, I'm your host, Kevin Mann. Joined as always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First of all, Bobo Bobolo. You want to try that again? <laughs> you, want, you want to give me an actual introduction this time, please? <laughs> you want to tell them my actual name, please, Kevin? Adam Bibolo. Thank you. How are you, Adam? Not bad. I've got bad news. This uh, pay-per-view sucks. Hey, bad news, Bibolo. Yeah. Jikorum, please. <laughs> As they were. <laughs> so, how are things high up upon your uh, cherry picker fucking tangy that he's got? Pretty swell, you know, I get to wear a cheap shoot, I've grown a little shitty beard, people are silent when I come out, you know, it's been good. It's but Adam, you were on the JBL and Cole show! Oh, therefore it's oh, immediately funny. That explains everything, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. If there's ever a joke in this podcast you don't get, it was on the JBL and Cole show. <laughs> Boom. Sorted. Have you got a lot to say about this one then? Yeah, I've got a lot, an awful lot to say about this one actually. Right. Emphasis on awful. <laughs> and to my right, unquestionably, the baddest man on the planet. Bowley Keeble. Alright then. I um, hate bowlies. <laughs> Alright, I'll take that. <laughs> the big guy. Close enough. Close enough. How are you, Billy? I'm not bad. Looking forward to having your heart broken in several places today? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. God, this is too sad. I don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, man. Good God almighty. Yeah, so as you may have heard, we've mentioned this before now, we are now a part of PileDriverWrestling.net, which is a really cool website for Which is nice, because my love is like a pile driver. Yep. Yep. But yeah, great website full of uh, wrestling facts and information as well as other good audio podcasts and whatnot. But on there, they have actually uploaded this massive plethora of um, WWF magazine covers from basically like, the first issue no. to date, I think. And so I thought it'd be cool if every month we take a look at what's going on in the magazine around the time of the pay-per-view. That's so. fucking awesome. I like that. Because yeah. I used to get that quite a bit and the magazine was in kayfabe as well. Exactly, yeah. Really I, I remember that too. You read it and it, all the interviews were all in yeah, kayfabe. Yeah. It was really cool. So around the time of the Unforgiven 99, the magazine was running the article on the front it had a picture of all the members of DX and the headline was who really killed Degeneration X <laughs> like it was a big expose looking into the whole thing wait are you telling me that Road Dog planted evidence at the scene of the crime I don't know I haven't seen the uh, the, the crime scene photos and the fingerprints but uh, shit man Sergeant Slaughter's clearance rate has been 40% this year and last year it was worse <laughs> Uh, but just to give you a little context as to the kind of quality you can expect from the magazine, because I don't know if you're ever familiar with the magazine or not, Billy. No, I'm not. But the uh, the month before this, the article they ran with for the, the front page was Deborah Topless. <laughs> with, oh, is, yeah, she, she's there, Topless. Uh, she's got a couple of, believe it or not, puppies yeah. that she is holding over her breasts. Jesus. The headline is, is this the sweetest pair of puppies you've ever seen? Or what? <laughs> and she's just there like this cheeky look on her face. Uh, bare headline I thought would have been, is this symbolic? <laughs> <laughs> so more on that in the coming months. Beautiful. This was one which has been uh, looming on the horizon for some time. It's Vince Russo's last ever full WWF pay-per-view event as head writer. But he's going to be dragged kicking and streaming into the abyss because it's Unforgiven 1999. As darkness is upon us. Knights, slayers, six mortal men, warriors all, fueled by the pursuit of the coveted grail, driven by desperation, ruled by the cold hand of fate, seeking the ultimate glory, a blessing that poisons the soul. For to be the ruler, 
A warrior must be sworn into a battle without mercy. A life without remorse. He must embrace the darkness and prepare his soul to forever be unforgiven. Forgive us, we sinners. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. Have mercy on our souls. There was the uh, intro package. Wow. Mortal Kombat 2. Seriously, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> the fucking underworld, like. Uh, yeah, it was a um, hard one to take seriously, this. Uh, I thought for a moment while it was playing... Did I put in that high-concept German pornography I purchased uh, <laughs> online? What was going on with this one? Seriously. The, the highlight of this was when you get that shot of the big show, like, screaming, and they just dub a lion's roar over it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, uh, is it the, the Spielberg movie with the, the truck? And when it explodes in the end, it actually used, like, a combination of animal sound effects. Oh, Jewel. Jewel, yeah. Jewel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what this is here. It's very strange to get a very uh, Middle Ages warriors sort of uh, vibe. As darkness spreads across the land. <laughs> Did they talk about Grails again? Or uh, the coveted Grail. The coveted, coveted Grail, grail again, of course. Yeah. And who is this lady who they've got doing this? Lady Vachon with a cold. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely no Blassie, let's be honest. I just wrote down here, Snake Pay-Per-View. Slayers of the Throne. <laughs> the fucking baddies from the Conan animated uh, series. Like, all these evil snake people. Batman music as well, featuring heavily in the background of this. Yeah, seemingly so. It, this is not cool. Like, this is just really lame. I did like, though, that they had shots of characters and wrestlers that you know, were kind of atypical. They weren't standard wrestling shots. You kind of had Kane with cool lighting and yeah, the kind and of the cinematic like effects rather than just like a straight up hyper package. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess that's cool. I mean, the only real good thing about this is that we actually do get Blasty coming at the very end yes! to, just to for, save the day. Just for that one line, though. Yeah, he's only there for a little while, but you know, it was a nice little cherry on top, I guess. Did anyone else get the real sense of urgency with Blasty as he was delivering his lines? How do you mean? Because it wasn't like. Time. It was like time. <laughs> it was like he's sitting there in the recording booth, and his like watch goes off with a little alarm. He's meant to take his pills. He's like, I have to take. Shut up. We're rolling. Like, time. <laughs> you know, this promo package drew nice parallels to the general insanity of the six-pack challenge, which is our main event this evening. Yeah, I guess. Which is for the vacant WWF championship. Didn't do such a good job. Analogous though it may have been. Didn't do such a good job of explaining what in God's green earth has been happening in the last four weeks. What with Vince McMahon coming back, winning the title, and it now being vacated. More on that later. But uh, yeah, you could get the sense that things have changed drastically since Summerslam. Just a bit, yeah. But you don't know why. Yeah, I'm very lost and confused at this point. As you can probably know, I tell at this point, as I tend to put in the pay-per-view music in the background as a bit of a bed, the music for this fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, seriously, we're in a fucking haunted house tonight, it would seem. Boo! <laughs> Spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> what it reminded me of, actually, was uh, Spooky Mormon Hell from the Book of Mormon musical, if anyone has heard that. That's a reference that. I wish I could get. Yeah, but it was uh, proper scary. I like to think that this promo and all the kind of graphics and stuff was decided long before the recent turn of events, because if you notice on the cover for this pay-per-view poster, it's only Emperor Undertaker 
got all Sith lightning going out of yeah. his hands yeah. sponsored by Magic the Gathering this pay-per-view <laughs> he's not on this fucking show <laughs> and he won't be back for another nine months so yeah bit of a fucking blown spot on that one I thought yeah but yeah, we've got this music to take us for the whole night. Starting things off, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler give us the what they seem to make out is great news altogether. Stone Cold Steve Austin, folks. He is here tonight. He won't be wrestling. Yay. Thanks. Great. That's yeah. a real good way to start off the show. Yes, Austin has been regulated to guest enforcer. He is Mike Tyson tonight. The baddest man, the most injured man on the planet, more like. You are heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> We also get a cut back now to one of the biggest angles which is running throughout the entire course of this pay-per-view. It is the 1999 referee strike. Yeah. Why? Well, basically, in the run-up to this, they were having a series of matches to try and decide who was going to be a number one contender for the WWF Championship. And one of those matches was a five-way, which just became a complete schmoz, breakdown, brawl. Everyone was going nuts, you know. Triple H, Mankind, etc. Basically, all the referees got beaten up loads, and some said that it was a smart Vince Russo commentary on himself and the fact that he uses the ref bump all mm. the time. Mm. I think you tried to keep track of the last oh. pay per view. How many ref bumps have we had? In I there? have no idea. It was about a million. Too many. <laughs> it's had more ref bumps than I've had hot dinners this week, basically. Yeah. So the idea was now that the refs were actually on strike, unsafe working environments. So tonight we've got a motley crew, like a really bad selection box that you would get in Poundland. <laughs> of fucking shitty scab referees for the yeah. whole night. Nice idea in theory, but in practice, as we'll find out. These are serious bargain bin referees, aren't they? Yes, definitely. Alrighty, opening us off, making a return to the podcast. He had not been injured, he was just underutilized. Mr. Val Venus. Yay! Taking on the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, in a battle to see who is most underutilized. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see Val Venus back. Yeah, I'm really glad to have him back. He's uh, been one of my favorites of the Attitude Era so I think far. we can all mutually agree that we have all gained a, an extra bit of respect for Mr. Val Venus. Yeah, nice work. Definitely. Yeah, he's a good worker. Had some very good matches on the, on the show so far. So we do have a bit of a backstory for this undercard match. Steve Blackman had his tools stolen by Mr. Val Venus, his bag of tricks, and it had been implied that Val Venus was using said tools on the ladies. Ugh. Oh, yeah, it's weird. For Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. They were weapons. They were yeah. weapons. Now, How can you make them sexy? Well, there was, and this became very Russo-rific at one point, which was when Blackman found a, uh, it was a vibrator in his gym bag full of weapons. Now, Jerry Lawler has got a lot on his plate tonight. This is the tip of the iceberg. It boded poorly. But Jerry Lawler at the start was kind of like, you just tell you really want to start talking about the vibrator. Yeah. And you think he's going to go, he's going to allude to it. He's not going to say vibrator. Of course not. There's no way you can do that. We've had before where Lawler is like, he's he's over the line or whatever. Remember, I think the one was when he was talking about, oh, I love puppies and beavers. And chicks. Yeah, we knew he was never going to say pussies. But there was always the chance that there's always might. that off chance, and yeah. here we go here, which is like, oh, you know, it was in the, in the gym bag. It was, it was, you know, had a life of its own. It was, it was vibrating. It was a vibrator. <laughs> it was a vibrator. Oh, it's a vibrator. It, oh. It's not even a double. It's not even a single entendre. No, it's nothing. It's, it's just a fucking line, <laughs> a one-dimensional plane of rudeness. And that is all he feels like talking about during this match. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. all he fancies having a chat about. Valvinus comes out, makes a hurricane cum joke. Hello, ladies. <laughs> you know something, ladies? The big Balboski figures that the remnants of Hurricane Floyd are still within the boundaries of North Carolina. <laughs> Why? 
because just this morning the big Balboski was blown from one end of the state all the way to the other. It's a little windy out here today. Very sexy oh, promo. Yeah. Yeah, oh, seriously, seriously makes me queasy <laughs> just thinking. You know, about there's the come jokes he normally makes. You know, I came, yeah. I saw, I came again. Yeah. But then there's like making fun of a natural disaster, which presumably killed people, by saying he was blown from one end of the state to the other. Ah, Jesus! I sake. was wondering, yeah, because I mean, it's not as if you could hardly go out and be like, "Hey, guys." Hurricane Katrina, you like raised eyebrow. Am I right? Uh, we get our scab referee du jour. It's the fucking Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. What is going on? It's brilliant, isn't it? He's just there, kind of. Yeah, it's I, I, just, I wasn't expecting it to be like WWE backstage talent. Like, I thought it would just be like average Joe Schmoes they got off the street or something. Well, I think the idea here was, and I could be reading too much into it, that it wasn't like. You weren't going to be seeing Jim Cornette or Sergeant Slaughter out here refing these matches, you know, backstage guys. You're going to have the guys now, like the Brooklyn Brawlers and the Downtown Brunos and the, the, the Dr. Tom Pritchards. The guys who are backstage that have been there for years, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but like, Something really? A little greasy about him, you mean? 35 years employed? Really? I mean, I'm not saying anything, I'm just... Really? You know? The crowd straight away, we can tell, not a great crowd. No. Uh, anytime we seem to go to North Kakalaki, which is the uh, WCW, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm done with it, like, which is the WCW hotbed, the crowd just seemed to, like, not be into it ever. Yeah. Uh, we got this at Unforgiven the, the previous year. Why would you fucking buy a ticket if you're just going to go and be a miserable prick all night? Seriously. I don't know. Maybe, what is that problem? Maybe Nitro papered all their tickets and there, <laughs> there were none left to buy. Like, <laughs> crowd not into this, but we have Val in control for, for most of the start of the match. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty decent action, but uh, it's not really what you would expect from an opener. And straight away in this match, which is something which runs throughout the entire pay-per-view, uh, in essence, I like the idea of scab referees, greasy bastards in there, you know, taking a check, being shit refs or whatever. Mm. That's a nice story. In practice, however, it kills most of the undercard matches tonight. Yeah, because they can't mm. ref. And you kind of, you, we always take it for granted, I think, a lot with, with refs kind of going, oh yeah, I mean, anyone can count to three, anyone can count to five, anyone can count to ten. But you get here, like, there's a big two count spot in this match, and Brooklyn Brothers comes down and is like, one, two, oh, you know, and you've got to do a couple of things. You've got to, like, you know, your hand has to hit the fucking mat, you've got to slide in, say the number as you're yeah. counting along. There's a lot refs actually do, uh, very understated things that really actually make a match seem, you know, important or, like, make you buy into near falls. Totally. If a ref isn't into it, you know, you lose the match yeah, yeah. And no, that's very true actually, people don't really give refs enough credit I suppose I mean I wouldn't have thought about it before yeah, until exactly. you see bad refing you don't realise how good the refing in WWF actually Should, is uh, start a podcast called The Art of Reffling you reach out to our good friend Jimmy Corderas again <laughs> there's several spots in this match you know big moves and then this gets killed immediately by the fucking brawler, like, being unable to... to, yeah. to and I'm there thinking, Jesus Christ, Brooklyn Brawler, how many times have you heard a referee count to three in your career? <laughs> fucking losing all the time on your back looking at the lights. Surely you know how to do it by now, simply by osmosis. Apparently not. Val gets the money shot and wins. Very meh match. Seriously, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I know you're always very quick to defend him, and as a kid, I remember loving him. But so far in the podcast, I've really not been that impressed with Steve Blackman. He's not really done anything that's blown no, me away so I. far. Well, I think his, his match he had with Owen, I think, can, can stand that, that was good. Yeah. Also, yeah. as well, it's very hard for the man, considering that he has been jobbed out nonstop. Yeah, he has. I'm and just... there's nothing worse than a guy going away, coming back repackaged, and then being jobbed out. Like, it just, it hurts him. Yeah, I just remember being fond of him as a kid, and like I'm starting to get worried now. I mean, I hope we get something better from him soon. Oh, the, the best is definitely still yet to come. I mean, good. Once we hit the year 2000, Blackman is on fire. Because, I mean, 
mean, in this match, he does the fucking the smug Randy Orton spot, you know, where he puts his hand up to his ear and like does a little cheeky look at the audience, like, "Are you uh, really booing me?" Yeah, I'm doing crap on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> After the match, Val Venus goes and gets his big gym bag full of dildos. <laughs> but uh, Steve Blackman attacks Val with a giant kendo dildo. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the EMTs coming out. Blackman gets a. Uh... He gets a bit nasty with uh, the female EMT. He has a go at her, and then he gets just taken out. I'm sorry, did you guys figure out immediately that this female EMT was a new wrestler? No, I didn't realise. Well, I, I, I guessed immediately because they never draw attention to women in wrestling unless there's something that's going to happen. <laughs> and the fact that I'd never seen her before and they were and they had Blackman confront her, Yeah. I thought, well, she's going to come in. Who, who's that EMT with, with very large breast implants and, you know, heavy makeup? Who's that EMT who's not even wearing EMT trousers? She's wearing fucking bell-bottom jeans with a fucking... <laughs> With a craft belt and like high heels. Who is it though? It's fucking BB Barbara Bush. BB is her name. BB BB Bush. Yeah. Barbara Bush. B- Barbara Bush. BB Bush. Yeah. And she's a female wrestler, and the gimmick is she's an EMT. She'll be involved in the storylines. Sorry, the EMT thing is her gimmick as yeah. well. Yeah. Fucking BB Bush. Awful. Fuck Awful. me. Oh, I mean, I know we've got Ivory now on top, and you know Sable yeah. is gone. Ba 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 ba. But this is very much a case of the night is darkest before the dawn. Yeah. We have got some really like shocking stuff uh, coming up in regards to women's wrestling, and uh, good old Barbara Bush is going to be involved in a lot of it. The uh, the head of security tackles Blackman after he confronts yes. Barbara yeah. Bush. That's one way to make him look like a complete fucking chump. Well, yeah, seriously, first of all, the pop that Jim Dodson gets yeah. there, the head of security. Mm. So actually, point out to us on Twitter. He's like, hey, how come you guys never give Jim Dodson any love? It's like, he's actually been on every single show we've reviewed. I'll be honest, I never noticed him. I always no. noticed him as a kid with his backwards leather paddy cat and his big fucking massive arms the size of fucking preteens. Like, a mm. uh, big massive dude. Uh, apparently, Vince Russo and McMahon were both enamored with him. They always wanted to do an angle with him. This was apparently the start of something. It, straight away, like, crowd pop big for you. Think, yeah. oh, you know, something with, with Blackman. Nothing ever came of it. Tried to find out online what happened with Dodson. There's kind of, like, hearsay of, like, oh, he had, like, something with migraines or he couldn't work or he didn't want to work. He yeah. left you know, thereafter. But uh, this is kind of interesting to see that they were they were so hot at the time that even the security guard was going to get a Testing bit of a run. the waters with yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, pretty It's a good point stuff. what you make, though, there, Billy, because, I mean... Yeah, you're right. Steve Blackman, he's meant to be like the lethal weapon. He's this fucking cold-blooded killer of a man. Who got, and, sorry, you got beaten in three straight pay-per-views. Yeah, <laughs> and then the head of security literally pushes him over, and then Blackman gets out of the ring, and he's like, you fucking win this round, my friend, yeah, and he just walks off. You think, like, considering the Blackman's character and how he was doing, what he was doing with Ken Shamrock, yeah. he wouldn't stand for that. He'd no, be he back wouldn't. in that ring. He'd, he'd kill be, him. He'd be, you know, giving him the But he didn't even well. get laid out. He got pushed over and he's like, that's it, I'm done. And he just leaves. It shows you how hardcore Jim Dodson is. Like, yeah, apparently you know? so. It must have been a hard push. Backstage, Mickey C is with the big show. Big tummy, Paul White. Big tummy. <laughs> big show, you are involved in the six-pack challenge tonight, but the world wants to know, where in the world's The Undertaker? What is it with you, Michael Cole? Have you just taken a stupid pill today? Is that what your problem is? If you check the roster, the last time I checked it, The Undertaker's name is not on the roster. And my name is The Big Show. Got it? Now, if you remember, I've been to the learning tree. I've had all the tough love and the hard knocks. And I have a killer instinct in me now that nobody can compare with. And there is no way that I am leaving tonight without the WWF title in my bag or around my waist. You got it? Monkey. 
Basically, Big Show talking about how The Undertaker has done left him. And he's out on his own now, refuses to talk about what The Undertaker is up to. Says that, I've taken the hard knocks from being with The Undertaker. Mate, so have we. Like, yeah, seriously. Have he, you just taken a stupid pill or something? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he asks uh, Michael Cole if he's taken a stupid pill and calls him a monkey. A monkey? <laughs> a monkey. Just says, you're a monkey at the end of his promo and just walks off. What a bowly. Paul White would go on to overdose on stupid pills. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little look at the match card there as well with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler having a look over it. First and foremost, British Bulldog looking like he's just... hes like It looks like he's fucking on the toilet and someone is like ran up behind him with a flat. He's like, what? <laughs> he's so shocked. Yeah. He looks so sad. Everyone's there in their fucking gear and he's there in this shitty fucking grey workout top yeah. like eating a fucking like a two steak kidney pies with super noodles on top like, <laughs> oh, I'm trying God. to watch the football naked what are you doing like oh. tragic tragic really figure. tragic we'll more, get into that more later more on that later alrighty coming up for our next match Mark Henry D'Lo Brown The Weight Watchers WrestleMania 5! We get a friendship package. Yeah. I really, really like this. I love this as well, isn't oh, it? I, I, I thought it so funny. I thought it was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> How could <laughs> you? Uh, what? No, the, the, the footage is brilliant. Like, it's all hilarious what they use of D-Lo and Mark. But good lord, it's edited like fucking by a five-year-old or something. Webster's Dictionary defines friends as one attached to another by affection or esteem. For years, D-Lo Brown and Mark Henry have been a perfect example of this definition. You can't wrestle tonight, man. What are you talking about, Doc? Your blood pressure is 190 over 120. Man, I'm all right, man. Mark, oh, Mark, 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 no. Mark, listen to the doc, man. You don't want your head to explode or like that kept a stroke no. have a heart attack. When Mark Henry's health was in trouble, it was D'Lo Brown who helped and encouraged his friend to get back on the right track. Come on, that's my job. Let's get busy, come on. What you gotta do is we gotta start from within, working out from within, and it's along with all the training, get your weight down, get your blood pressure down, brother. It's all about you, man. It's about not losing a friend. Man, can a brother get some sauce, some butter or something? As many of us experience throughout life, sometimes our best friends, can turn out to be our biggest enemies. Mark Henry just hit D'Lo Brown in the back of the head with the guitar. And Jeff Jarrett has won two titles. Tonight, consider yourself the new WWF European Champion. Mark Henry turning his back on his friend D'Lo Brown. Yeah. And that's what it was all about. It's not about belts. It's not about matches. It's about a friendship loss. So I've said time and time again, D-Lo would have not lasted this long in the WWF if it wasn't for me. About titles for him, not about a friendship. Really shitty music, and this is, I think it's narrated by Michael Cole, yeah. even. Like, it's just really, really cheap. They do the uh, friendship. Like photos, the photo ripped in half. Unbelievable! Yeah. With, great, great job. This is a really good angle, like, but they just ruined it by this shitty would, editing. Would the uh, promo have been better if they had friends to the end from the Tom and Jerry movie? <laughs> We're the friends to the, the end. end. Hey, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, how come they're Taz now? <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, we got a recap of Fat Mark being fat and Fat sick. Mark! <laughs> He's there eating baked potatoes. Come on, Dilo, let me get some butter. <laughs> and uh, it's awesome because it's like, it's building up. It's like, Mark Henry was told that he was going to have a stroke because his blood pressure was so high. And then he turns heel. Like, <laughs> Jim Ross is like, my God, King, he's gone food mad. <laughs> so, backstage before the big match. Big Mizark is there talking with Lillian Garcia. Yeah. He gets slapped. Lillian, who has uh, just debuted recently. Yeah, new face. Yeah, she's been doing... She's interviewing here, mm. but she's been doing a little bit of... Uh, Little bit of ring announcing on uh, on Raw. Uh, sorry, immediately the way you say that makes it sound like there's cause for concern. Well, well, we already know that in the year 2014, she can't do it right all the time. Not she's all the all, time. She's, all right. <laughs> she's, she's she's fine. She's like okay. The winner of the match will be the winner. <laughs> Making his way to the ring. Randy Orton. <laughs> she called him that once. Mark Henry has uh, two ladies with them. I just wrote down that they were Sugar and Spice from Batman Forever. <laughs> who, who are they? Are uh, we anybody? Uh, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> or are they just more strippers that the company's yeah, picked it, up? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, all right then. You it's, put it so eloquently, but <laughs> well, that's what they are. Yeah, basically, yeah, but, you know, yeah. It's it's. I think it's the kind of the ideas that are trying to give him this kind of like. I'm a player now type yeah. character. This is the kind of push, you know, it works so well, you know, when you got a, a big, uh, you know, angry dude who spits away from his tag partner, you know, like uh, Brodus Clay, Titus O'Neil, Shad Gaspard, Mark Henry. Yeah. Really, really good. All of the main event players, solid talents, mm. five yeah. fucking stars. Jesus. <laughs> Mark Henry comes out in his no mercy attire. I popped big for that. <laughs> and Dr. Tom Pritchard, the head scab, is your blue pants referee. Why could he not get a fucking pair of black this. slacks? Seriously. I love that so much. He looks so fucking greasy. He looks ridiculous. And I have no idea who he is. His hair's a state. He's got blue trousers on. His shirt's fucking wide open. Just go home. Tom Dr. Pritchard. Tom Pritchard, one half of the Heavenly Bodies, also the brother of Bruce Pritchard, aka Brother Love. Mm. Was a mainstay in you know various backstage capacities WWF and yeah. How, how do you not remember him, Billy? From that one amazing time he was backstage on WWF.com waiting for the Undertaker to turn. Oh up. shit! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was you said he looks like what? Roger Daltrey. Roger Oh yeah. I was going to say here he looks like Gabriel Byrne if he's been on like an uh, alcohol binge. <laughs> he looks like Gabriel Byrne. He's been through some really hard times. Gabriel Byrne on the all misery diet. Right? <laughs> Gabriel yeah. Byrne has let himself go. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Mark Henry, though, this is the first time we've heard the sexual chocolate music on the podcast, isn't it? Yeah. The actual proper... I'll give it all to you. <laughs> Fucking love yeah, that noise. I don't know about you, but when he comes in, I just hear the marmite thing. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Henry says in the ring he wants no match because he has a, quote, brainurism. Made me laugh so hard. He says he wants a match tomorrow night on Ross. <laughs> Brilliant, because Mark Henry's character now isn't just that he's fat, but fat and stupid. <laughs> Brainurism. Brainurism, unbelievable. <laughs> he tries to take a powder, but Dilo comes out straight away, mm, walking that he's, badass he's, walk. He's, he's angry, he's so angry, he's not even going to shake his head. Oh no, yeah, it's all business tonight. tonight. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Straight off the bat, I'm enjoying this. Dilo very much obviously in control for this match. It's a classic speed versus strength type battle, mm. which is Dilo trying to outmaneuver him. 
Mark. But at the same time, D'Lo hits a lot of impressive moves on Mark. It's oh, very yeah, impressive. some real uh, feats of strength on D'Lo. Scott, well. D'Lo hits Sky High early on. Mm. And that's like, for Mark Henry, he's a fat fucking fuck. Fuck me. I mean, that was impressive. Mark, at one point, it just, it what kills it for me, I suppose, is that D'Lo, when he's on offense, it's amazing. Or mm. when D'Lo is like, Taking moves from Mark where you can tell he's in control. Yeah, he's yeah. accentuating you know? it. He's he's making Mark look good, but anytime that ball is in Mark's court, he just fucks it up. He tries to eat it. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't yeah. play ball. He, <laughs> there's a part where you know he puts him in the ropes to do this kind of you know that uh, hangout spot that you know Austin and Jeff and Bossman all do. He's kind of you know gives the old hip attack there. Yeah, and Mark just fucking murderizes himself. Yeah, it looks horrible. He goes right through the ropes. It's so fucking scary. But D'Lo is there like a like a boss trying to help Mark out. You know, he's diving to the outside, flying around. Mark is clearly banjacks himself earlier on though, because he goes for a gorilla press and he's there shaking his leg out and he's all wobbly. It's now, a shame because like the, the whole build for this match, the whole friendship falling apart, and you know they were a fun-loving tag team, and you got all this stuff going into it, and D'Lo being amazing. It's such an absolute shame that Mark Henry's just still not up to scratch here. He's yeah. still really it, letting himself down. Like I say this as a man who, for all intents and purposes, you asked me three or four years ago, you say Mark Henry, I'm like, fuck off. How many times did they repackage that guy? How many how many main event pushes has Mark Henry gotten in his time? You know, I'll say now, I love him. I think since 2010. Yeah. Completely, completely agree with you. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's the case of saying a watch kettle never boils. It took him long enough, but right here, he is he's not up to scratch. Definitely no. not. And no Adilo Brown can't make you look good in a match. You know, and he's here in what, eight minutes? And he's gassed? Yeah. Mm. You know. It's bad. It really, really shows. And you got Jim Ross trying to cover him on commentary saying there, uh, Mark Henry can do some uh elementary moves. And they may look basic, but they hurt a lot. <laughs> it's basically because Mark is so gassed. He's like, you know, in the corner doing, you know, punches. And he's there's nothing behind them. There's no mm. snap, no power. Well, it's awful. Because the crowd just dies then as soon as the heel takes over. Completely. Crowds can't rally behind D'Lo if the offense doesn't look good. Like, Henry is, is fucked in this. He botches a scoop slam. Yeah, that's bad. A scoop yeah, slam. Bad. For the world's strongest man to not be able to do a scoop slam. It's like he picks him up and his hand is just like completely the wrong place. Yeah. You know, if there's certain moves, if you can't do them. It's, it's one of the basics. Like yeah. you got to start asking yourself, why am I putting this person in the ring when they can't even do a scoop slam? Yeah. Now there's serious questions being raised there. Dilo gets a pretty awesome comeback. He hits a hurricane run on Mark at one point. Very impressive. And actually also hits a powerbomb on Mark from the corner. Again, these amazing feats of strength from Dilo. It's, it's it's quite outstanding at 30 minutes 18 seconds in Jim Ross claims that D'Lo has just got his big break boom okay alright yeah so that's another one that's another yeah. time that they've mentioned big break I don't know about you Billy but uh, the grass is looking mighty green on Kevin's side <laughs> of the pasture over here I'm just saying the, the green felty pastures yes. of the big break players over here I'm just saying you know D'Lo gets the lowdown, he gets the win and the European title. And it's a shame that a match which, you know, we were really invested in, I think mm. we all agree. But for my part, didn't feel much coming out of this. No, I felt yeah. nothing coming out of this, apart from bitter disappointment, really. Mm. It was an absolute drag. And it was made worse by, again, more bad refereeing. On Tom Pritchard's part, like, I just think he was trying to get involved too much. Like, D'Lo would be put in the corner by Mark, and then Top Richards immediately over, like, oh no, come on, man, come on, get off him, man, before Mark's even started doing anything. There's a way which a referee. Again, this is this this pay view is a fucking masterclass and like, oh shit, stuff that referees do like this is what makes it good. When a referee is like trying to admonish a heel and you can tell he's trying, but you can tell that the heel is not listening or that it's not working. You know, like when someone like Earl Henry's are kinda of going count to five and he's kinda of like throwing his hands up going, For yeah. fuck's sake. 
But Pritchard is like in there, like gonna fucking lock up. Like, let me. He just looks like a pest more than anything. Yeah, he's in the way of the match. Less is more, I suppose. It's, it's it's interesting. Vince Russo unwittingly providing us with all this interesting referee <laughs> yeah, insight tonight. Backstage, Mickey C is with the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk. They're talking about their match coming up next against a team who are debuting on pay-per-view and the podcast, and only debuted in WWF a week or two beforehand. The Dudley Boys! Yes! Completely took me by surprise. I didn't look at the card. Yeah. I watched the Dudleys. The Dudleys. I know, right? Finally. Fresh out of ECW. It's fucking amazing to see this. So yeah, the Acolytes talk about their match coming up with the Dudleys. Dudleys are debuting. It's fucking awesome. We'll have a chat about them in a few moments when that match comes up. It's just nice to see the Dudleys, I suppose, now that we're getting them. It's yeah. nice it's to know awesome. they're actually here already now. Yeah, yeah. We, it's fucking awesome. We also see, uh, as you mentioned before, in uh, the last UK pay-per-view episode, I can't remember what was, which one it was, but uh, Chaz no being beaten up by, uh, backstage because of him hitting on his lady. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not hinted at. Again, like you were saying earlier about the double entendres or anything, JL literally just goes, Man, allegations of beating his girlfriend, Mariana, has made Chaz a very un... Wait, they're only allegations, I JR. Agree. I know that. He's being ostracized. Chaz there, you know, with the allegations that he is uh, beating his girlfriend. Like, they just outright say it. It's fucking, fucking shocking. Seriously. I, and it's a point of a contention as well now. I was kind of going, wait, good on them. If they're going to actually go out and this fucking do this ridiculous story, at least they're kind of making out the guy who, who's allegedly hit his girlfriend is Satan. Because, yeah, you know, he's, he's in the wrong it. and the locker room hate him for it. That's, that, That's that fine, was because cool. you don't treat a woman yeah, like that. Yeah. And then the second after that, the second after that, Deborah is, is backstage then for an interview. And Jeff Jarrett comes in and he's like, I'm going to put you in your place. Don't you talk out. Yeah. Bam, bam. Are you telling well, me a woman will hit a man? Yeah. It's like, whoa, guys. Have you forgotten what happened two seconds Mixed ago? signal, seriously. So, yeah, Jeff Jarrett talking about his new gimmick. There's no being politically correct. So I'm just going to say it. I am embarrassed to be getting in the ring at Unforgiven with a woman. I was always taught. He's in the ring with two now. Well, you're not getting them. Oh, please. I was always taught that a woman's place was in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. Oh, come on, Jeff. And I'm a firm believer in that. So I hear you're a misogynist now, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God in heaven. Jeff, woman-hating Jarrett. Yeah. I was wondering, what was it exactly that made me have such bad memories of Jeff up until we started this podcast? And Jesus Christ, I think this might be it. Over the last few weeks, Jeff Jarrett has been beating up every woman on the roster, putting her in the figure four. He's beating up Moulin May Young. He hit him over the head with a guitar. Jeez. He's cutting lengthy promos about a woman should be barefoot and pregnant. Deep, deep, deep. Oh, God. <laughs> I know it's wrong of me to hate on Jeff for that because that is what he was given. Yeah. It's like, you're not having that main event feud with Steve Austin. That's clearly not going to happen. How do you feel about hating women? <laughs> and like dollar signs clearly, you know, you know. How is this? It's a death sentence it, to It must yeah. get to a point though for him as well where you hear this, he's like, we want you to basically go off on any woman you see. Be a point, uh, that part of you would just go, don't like the sound of that. I don't Especially that. because he's quite religious. Yeah. In the locker room backstage, like with tears rolling down his cheeks, like, come on, Jeff, you can do this. You can go out there and beat up that old woman. Because I know, I, I suppose it's testament. 
Jeff Jarrett's performing ability. Yeah, I really feel like he hates women here, and I know, yeah. I know he doesn't. You, you do know, get that vibe, don't you? But good God, it talk about again. This is the the lack of subtlety now mm. is shocking because you know it, he's just saying it, isn't it's he? Outright stating it, yeah. Now uh, you have a reason to kind of root for Deborah a little bit, I suppose, as opposed to before, which is like, oh come on, she just wants to be naked. But now it's kind of like, oh come on, she just wants to be told not to go in the kitchen. Yeah, it's like, don't, don't you feel bad for her? Like? Automatically, Deborah has become an incredibly sympathetic character, mm. which I suppose is good. And you know, Jeff she is certainly do with it, like. Well, yeah, we've got Jeff Jarrett taking on China now for the intercom continental belts Jeff put an open contract up on the door on Raw after SummerSlam saying anyone can challenge him and Billy Gunn was going to give it a sign and then China she signed it herself yeah. so this is the start of China's singles push you could say now cool it's pretty cool you know to see China actually get you know pushed as a singles star yeah you know going if, after a belt at the start of the Archer area if you'd have said to me like oh you know you're going to get to Jeff Jarrett versus China I'd probably go like ugh seriously mm. but uh, Jeff Jarrett has certainly grown on me over time like I know he's a great wrestler now even though we've just said those things about his character. And China at the King of the Rings, she had that fucking awesome match with the Road Dog. So I was actually really excited for this going in. Yeah, and you know, Jeff Jarrett is a very competent man in the, in that ring. So we know that if anyone can make China look good... It'll be him. It'll yeah. be Jeff. As they're coming out to start this match, Jerry Lawler calls Jim Ross a chauvinist. What is going on? And you know what? <laughs> I, I actually have to agree with him a little bit here. I, King, for some reason, is the more chivalrous one here in this match. At the start of the match, he goes... Hey, kitty, 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 yeah, kitty, yeah, kitty. Yeah, ignoring that fact. <laughs> Ignoring that. I'm talking specifically about the way he treats China, because, like, um, JR's saying things like, well, you got to admit that Jeff Jarrett here, he'd be awful embarrassed if you got beat by China here tonight. And then King's like, why would it be embarrassing? Well, because she's a woman. Yeah, but she's a competent athlete. And, like, King's, like, making good points about China. It's, <laughs> it's so backwards and bizarre. No, it's, it's the same problem we had before as well, which is that, like, JR's baseline opinion on women is closer to the norm. Yeah. But you'll hear it if you look at a blog or hear the man talk about it in the subject. Jim Ross does not want women fighting men. No. And he certainly does not want it happening for titles. I think he maybe would have forgiven King of the Ring, but now it's very clear in front of him that China is going to probably get a belt. This so is going to happen. He's like, I don't like this. And yeah. yeah, it comes out straight away. And he's no real way to defend it. Our referee for this match is Harvey Whippleman, a.k.a. Dantane Bruno. Good God, he's a scary-looking motherfucker in this, isn't he? Yeah, he, he looks, looks like a creepy. serial killer. Yeah, he's got a kind of a, I don't know, a kind of a, a rodent-y vibe to him, I would almost say. You'll, get, you'll cut off your fingers and eat them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like a capybara almost. <laughs> uh, you know. But uh, Double J blindsides China to start things off. Jeff does the turnbuckle groin spot on China, mm. which I was, thankfully they didn't do it, I was hoping to kind of go, uh-uh, doesn't work on women. China just gets up and she's like, what do you think? And like, yeah, yeah, but she actually said, which, which is good. Yeah, it's it's because it would still hurt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it still have nerves. <laughs> China's over. Yeah, yeah really, really, really over. Very over, definitely. Jeff at one point turns to Jim Ross and goes, "I'm gonna send her back to the kitchen, Jim Ross. Do you hear?" Really? Yeah. We get it. Really? We fucking get it, Jeff. <laughs> Jesus, you don't like women, okay? It's a little subtle hint there. Like, I love when characters are kind of like, uh oh, I don't think people remember my character. I'm going to say something now. <laughs> it's like when Jack Swagger recently had rides, but, ah, welcome to America. <laughs> I think he wanted to say Jack Swagger's America, but then realized he is in a tag team now. So now it is, like, not his America. <laughs> but yeah, he just keeps saying it, Jeff. He's called, kind of going, I hate women. Yeah, we know. Seriously. Enough. It's horrible. China does the HBK corner spot at one point. Yeah. yeah. Flips up and does it. Pretty cool. Uh, King says that Kitty is perfect. 
but he still misses the puppies. Mm. Yeah. So, you know. Do you know much about Jerry the King Lawler and Kitty? No. Okay. We, we'll find out. Yeah. But, geez, okay. you want to talk about non factors in a match? Miss what, why Kitty. Is she there? Yeah. She's there to smile. Yeah. Fuck me. Like. Well, she's there so Jerry can say things about her. I love as well. Keep Jerry like, busy, like. Deborah, yeah. Deborah won't come into the ring with Jeff anymore because she's sick of the way he's acting. And Chi- and Miss Kitty's just like smiling and nodding when Jeff is like, <laughs> I hate all women. They should be killed. And it's, she's like, Yeah. It's yeah, Brian Shamrock all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's just, just like. Bland, go- no personality given to her or anything like. Yeah. It's like she is a doormat. That is accepted. You know, I don't like it. At uh, 40 minutes and 50 seconds. Seconds, we get a Glargay sleeper hold minus the Glargay because you know they botch it a little bit but there's some sort of miscommunication and China shuffles backwards into it by accident and all we get is a little <laughs> but nothing else to follow <laughs> yeah. that, so it's better than nothing I guess yeah I suppose you're, you're reckoning now time's ticking down for Jeff well I mean we haven't got many pay-per-views left like there's only a few Glargays no, left in no, the time no we plot. don't it's, it's getting scary we got a sweet power slam by China a fucking powerbomb as well mm. by uh, some amazing spots in this match uh, China heads outside and grabs a chair and I'm like Really? Is this is a title match? Right, right yeah. in front of the referee. And they're kind of doing the scab referee thing, which is day or crap. Yeah. But you just broke the flow a little bit. Yeah, and just, you do get the chair shot. Yeah. The ref sees it, just ignores it. It's grand. It's fine, it's all right. It I, says here in the rule book, if any man hits another man with a chair, <laughs> they will say nothing about women, you know, for <laughs> I get that it could be intentional, this whole bad refereeing thing, you know, because they're scabs, they're not very good, like, mm. that's fair enough. You've got to play that up, But though. they're not making it obvious enough. Uh, I mean, they could have made it more obvious, like, I mean, I personally would have had, like, the referee, just when they were doing the, the weapon shot or something, just have the ref in the corner having a fag or something, like, <laughs> not even paying attention. Chewing gum, like, or something <laughs> like that. I get a pedigree attempt, and, uh, oh no, a ref bump! Harvey Whippleman goes fucking flying. Looks like we're going to get a guitar shot and then Moulin May Young attack in what was my favourite spot of the night. A <laughs> double suplex by fucking Moolah and Johnny May Young on Double J. I'd say it was awesome. Obviously, you know, uh, we lost May very recently mm, yeah. and, you know, I get to say this was awesome. It's the first time we used to see May Young on the podcast and it just, I think it just encapsulated her like quite well it's she's like, one of my favourite like recurring non-wrestling characters yeah. in the Attitude Era we're going to get a lot of fun May Young stuff coming up Billy but this is awesome like because I remember I was a kid and I was kind of like this is kind of weird the way that all the women are just kind of like yeah Jeff's a misogynist he hates women that's fine I suppose and this is, it actually falls upon these two old women <laughs> these two like 70 year old women like your granny coming in to fucking clean up a mess in the house or something <laughs> like no 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 we'll fucking sort this out like you know someone's gotta do it we live through the fucking war and the depression we'll do it we'll suplex Jeff Jarrett Jesus Christ like, it was awesome yeah but Jeff Jarrett floors them immediately <laughs> afterwards yeah. I have never heard King explode with laughter <laughs> so hard it. At seeing these two old women and get this, destroyed. This is the moment fucking here now that for the rest of this pay-per-view, I shit you not, ten minutes doesn't go by without Jerry referencing Moulin May. He loves to talk about this for the rest of the night. Hey, do you remember earlier on in the night when those two old women got knocked over? Hey! They might be dead. <laughs> JR with the JR with the call of the century when Jared is working over the two old women. Jared is lower than whale manure. <laughs> Amazing. Deborah appears, shows Miss Kitty down. That's what you get for being complacent. And immediately Jerry has a, a fucking stroke on commentary. Yeah. He's like, 
<laughs> like Miss Kitty is a horcrux or something yeah, like that. Makes it sound like an exotic up. bird. <laughs> and Deborah hits Jeff Jarrett in the head with a guitar. It struck me as kind of like too little, too late, but it was a nice moment, I suppose. Yeah, at least Deborah finally got one over on him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it was it was nice. You know, uh, China gets the pin shortly thereafter and it's a nice moment as well China's like fucking yes yeah. real, real emotion there in this play I'd say, I liked it and then mean old Dr. Tom Pritchard comes out and he does the, the instant replay and he nullifies it scabs horse shit I cannot stand the fucking instant replay there's finish. no crying or replays in wrestling though. seriously that is rule one and two of wrestling but then again in fairness I'm kind of glad that China didn't end up walking away with the belt from this because I think that if she is going to beat Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental belt she needs to beat him clean like I mean mm. Jeff's big massive thing is that you know like men are better than women and if China won tonight, she would have won because three other women interfered and Jeff got hit over the head of the guitar. That is an awesome point, yeah. So I would like to see China beat him clean because that would be yeah. like the ultimate way to kill off this villain. Like That would be the best way of him getting his comeuppance. Yeah, definitely. But you know, I'd say I enjoyed this match. A fucking 99% of the credit probably goes to Jeff Jarrett for this. Yeah. A couple of awkward moments with China. The credit are still eh and the refing is still eh, but I thought they did a fucking fine job yeah, here. Yeah, nice match. Yeah, nice match indeed. Backstage, Mickey sees with Stone Cold Steve Austin a sad and short promo bottom line is I'm not wrestling tonight oh and that's all I gotta say about that seriously like a 10 second promo yeah alrighty now it is time for the match alluded to earlier it is the Acolytes versus the Dudley Boys in a potato rules match (laughs) again this is an example we will see an insurgence of ECW talents as we progress in the Edge era but the Dudley Boys very much the first team which was a big act and a big name that was solely associated with ECW Mm. and also a gimmick as well and a look and they basically Vince was like alright I'll have that please and yeah. he put it right in there take it straight from him you know they didn't bring him back they didn't repackage him they didn't do anything it's like fuck it we'll do a version of what you were doing so to speak which now, is nice which is nice now obviously they're taking elements from across it but I think the thing that strikes me the most is that they didn't change how they look mm. which for some people they think they might have at the time were like oh they look a bit indie-rific for my liking with the you know Bubba Ray wearing the, the t-shirt and the basketball mm. shorts or whatever but I'm like fuck it it's awesome that they're here and right? they make it work yeah. I mean it's it's okay like it, they'll look indie-rific and cheap if that's how everyone looks but if you've only got two guys on the roster that are wearing such indie clothes and look really cheap then they're going to stick out and have their own character because of that like it, I, it shows yeah. you that they've come from ECW Definitely, you get that yeah. by looking at them I suppose the one thing would be that ECW fans were very much I mean opposed to the idea of the Dudleys leaving or anyone leaving for that matter mm. it's it's People in ECW, if you were watching that product at that time, they can tell you they just gained an attachment from people. When fucking Raven left, it killed everyone. Mm. When when people left, it was always like a personal slight. There was no way to leave that company and people not be pissed off. Yeah. Even under the best circumstances, they still got pissed off. And I think if, yeah, they, they saw the Dudley boys here now, ECW fans would be like, oh, look at that. They fucked it up, haven't they? They've given mm. them a stupid gimmick and they're nothing like they were in ECW. They're going to be fucking buried. And they're in a feud with the Acolytes and the Acolytes aren't going to sell and they're going to make everything look shit and it's going to be public enemy all over again. And you notice that uh, when they're talking in the promo, they're kind of like, we're going to send those boys back to where they came from. Like another team we, we did that with. Public enemy, uh, for ECW fans out there, those who aren't aware, big tag team in ECW. They mm. were like the early 90s, that company was in part built around them 
Went to WCW, you know, I had a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> Love saying that. <laughs> and then he came to WWF, a lot of hoopla, a lot of hollering, kind of like, oh, here we go, fucking public enemy. Now, they were old, fat, out of shape. They were uh, crap. They were never very good. That was the secret of the public right. enemy. Heyman was good at hiding it, but they rubbed everyone the wrong way, had awful heat backstage, rubbed fucking Bradshaw the wrong way. You know, anyone important hated them, basically. Yeah. Showed up late, wanted a big push, didn't have the fucking capacity to be good enough. They were put in a match with the Acolytes. And basically, they were more or less told, because I think the, the public enemy were like, oh, we don't want a job or whatever. You know, we don't want to lose to these guys. Mm. It's like, dude, just don't fucking say that ever. If you're going to ask you to lose, lose, please. Yeah. And yeah, they were basically told. Some say it was Jerry Briscoe who told the Acolytes, which was basically, kill him. <laughs> now, you can see footage of this. Bradshaw wrote a very awesome blog about this uh, around a year ago. You see footage of this on YouTube, which is the public enemy come out, and the match starts, and they go outside the ring, and you get around. It's like fucking metal or jacket as well. It wasn't even on fucking proper TV. Right. The acolytes killed them. Absolutely slaughtered them. Stairs. You know, the, the acolytes are stiff as motherfuckers. Yeah. So again, people were like, you know, and the public enemy were left around the time of WrestleMania 15. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs> and it was a really bad. People thought it was a precedent that you can't be successful from outside WWE come in during this period. So there's a lot of pressure on the Dudley Boys in this match. Yeah, now, I know there's a big massive cyber here, but I think a lot of this needs to be put in place and a lot of context needs to be given because what we get in this match, Dudley Boys versus Acolytes, is a very quiet match. A lot of pressure on the Dudley Boys going into this match. Yeah. An astounding amount of pressure. I, for one, immediately as a kid, fell in love with the Dudleys straight away for one reason, one reason only. And I may be alone in this, but I knew there were other friends of my cousin, for example, was also felt this way. They had glasses. <laughs> That's a very good point. Right, now, before yeah. anyone fucking cries Millhouse on me, you do have to understand, in the fucking late 90s, no one cool, no one in pop culture had glasses. True. I'm not just talking wrestling, I'm talking wrestling, TV, movies, fucking anything. If mm. you had glasses, you were a dickhead, right? Yeah. George Costanza was the closest thing I had to a character, <laughs> to, a, to a role model, right? I turned out wrong because of it. But seeing the Dudley boys, particularly Bubba, being just a big fucking massive dude with glasses, I'm like, yes! Finally. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's, not, they're never, it's never kind of going, hey, look at these idiots wearing glasses. Like, it's kind of like, no, they're wearing glasses. And you know what? Laugh at them if you want, but they're going to kick your fucking ass. Yeah. And I love that. It was really awesome. Well, be, uh -oh. be patient. Uh -oh. Bubba's got a speech impediment. Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh-oh. Sucks. Fucking fucking Stuttering gimmick. Yeah. Now, this is, I said earlier, this is like people are kind of pointing at them, kind of going, oh, Dudley boys are going to be fucked here in WWF. They've been put with the Acolytes, and they're doing the stuttering gimmick. Now, Bubba did used to stutter in ECW, but when they left ECW, they were like killers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, kind of inciting the crowds into riots. You know, there's all the famous ones of him kind of going, you know, look at these people in the audience. we got a woman who teaches her daughter how to suck dick. Yeah. we got a Jesus. fat faggot in a Hawaiian shirt. You know, this really, like, awful stuff. For him to go to that to be going, Charlotte sucks. Yeah. What did you think of that? I mean, did you know? No, I really didn't like it. Yeah. Really, really didn't like it. What was your exposure to the Dudleys before this, Billy? Because you, you watched maybe one like 05, didn't you? So yeah, 05 to around 07. So I'd seen them around. A little bit, yeah. I'd seen them for a bit, and I, and I did like them because, you know, they were they were rougher than everyone else. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and I, I liked that aspect to it, you know, like, whilst you had the violence from some of the uh, other people on the roster, Devon and Bubba, 
you know, they they had that other aspect to it, which wasn't just violence for the sake of violence. Yeah, they had a sort of a. It's hard to hard to explain. They had they had a the correct way of doing it. You look at just simple things with Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley. Like, uh, I think what summed it up is: you ever look at Bubba Ray Dudley's punches? Mm. Fucking mm. awesome! You just yeah. like, mm, you know, and like everything has like I don't yeah like it's like a bit of force behind it or a bit of every move they have is like is is got a bit of purpose behind it. They're really fucking good in the ring. This match is quiet. Very quiet because the Dudleys are heels and the Acolytes are heels as well. Mm. So I mean, if this couldn't be more obviously a test if they play test music <laughs> over the fucking match like New Jack or something. This is a test. Yeah. This is a, a test and nothing more. And no one knows who, who the Dudleys are, you know. Uh, about Bubba's stuttering gimmick though as well. I've heard this because we've had a few characters as well in WDF history who've had the stuttering gimmick. Matt Morgan, you know, the big giant dude. He was in WDF for, uh, for, for a brief period. And he had the stuttering gimmick as well. And apparently, Vince McMahon, I've heard this once or twice from writer uh, interviews, there's nothing he finds funnier than stuttering. He thinks it's the funniest thing. It's like, comedy can't get higher than that. It's like, making fun of Bell's palsy, midgets, (laughs) him having a, like, getting made out with the divas. And then, like, at the top, it's stuttering. That is... The Vince McMahon spectrum of entertainment. <laughs> what a complex man. What a seriously. <laughs> He's a complicated man, but no one understands him, even his woman. Vince McMahon. Jimmy Corderas refereeing this match. He has crossed the picket line. A high caliber of man right there. Does a plug for the podcast. Works hard for his money. Crosses that picket line. Good on you, Jimmy Corderas. Hey, don't call him a scab. He scabbed. He fucking did an intro for a podcast. Fucking scab. I want, I want to go back and revoke it from that episode now. <laughs> This match is pretty much brutal, non-stop potatoes. You can tell the Acolytes are just taking advantage. The crowd are very quiet as the guys just get their shit locked out of them. Bubba Ray Dudley, like, I like as well about the Dudley boys is that they know they're in this situation. You, I, what I would have, would have assumed most people have done, which is to curl up in a little ball and just, like, hope that the Spinebuster and Dominator aren't too sore. <laughs> yeah. Bubba Ray Dudley with the open hand slaps on the chest yeah, of Bradshaw. he's not scared. He's slipping them right on the softness of the nipples there. That yeah. is... Fucking good on you. I love that. And in a weird backwards, however is the Acolytes, their minds work. I'm sure they'd respect that. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that's what they're looking for. Like, Someone to give it back. Exactly, yeah. The Dudley boys are are very crisp in this match as well. And they adapted the WF style very quickly, uh, which is nice. You know, they don't try... They don't try to do all their ECW stuff, but we get some pretty cool things from them, including uh, the 3D as well, which we see oh, in this yeah. match. That's which the, is that's pretty the one awesome. time that the crowd actually makes a little bit of noises for the 3D, which is cool because they don't even know what the 3D is at it's this a, point. It's so. an awesome move. That's, that says that how awesome that move is that they can make this shit crowd actually pop for us. Yeah, so. definitely. We got a close line from hell on Bradshaw onto Bubba, and then Stevie Richards makes an appearance. <gasps> yeah. Oh, dancing Stevie Richards. Fucking ECW mania right here. Yeah. Dressed as an acolyte, and he's got in the, the chest his UPN. Yeah. Stevie's gimmick at the time was that, you know, he was just trying to fit in, so he was... Trying to buddy up to the acolytes. Dressing up as anyone, he dressed up as Dude Love at one point. Uh, you know, it ta- he tagged with mankind as, as Dude Love. Really? Actually, yeah, he dressed up as everyone. It was awesome. You know, it went on for for a while before he, he got injured. I always remember in WrestleMania 2000, me and my brother made Stevie Richards, and then as alternate attires, we made him like copy our characters. So <laughs> there was a Stevie Richards dressed up as Kevin Devil. <laughs> <laughs> the acolytes win this one, and then they kill Stevie Richards afterwards with a Dominator and a double powerbomb and shake his hand for the assist. Yeah. 
technically an awful match, but in a political sense, it was awesome because it was like Dudley boys stood up for themselves, stood up for ECW a little bit, I could say, mm. and they proved that no, actually, not everyone's like the fucking public enemy, mm. and there are good workers in ECW, and you know we can play ball. And you'll know from right now, judging from where their careers go from here and how over they get, that. They, you know, they did something good here. Mm. Yeah, you're right, and it's it's significant. It is significant because like they, they stand up to the acolytes and what like what you said. They really proved that they are here and they're going to fit in and they're going to actually make themselves work. But good God, I thought it was a dull as hell. Oh, it yeah. was awful. Really, in that really sense, yeah. a drag of a match. Yeah. Seriously bad. Knowing the context of them coming in and knowing what they were had, essentially had to go through and what like you know, predecessed all of this, mm. I respect the match more. But genuinely, I wrote literally nothing for this match <laughs> yeah. apart from one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Yeah, well, I said truly the truly dreadful. The match isn't interesting at all. It's just the story behind it. Yeah, you it's, know? it's an interesting story, and it's cool that you know. This is how the, the Dudleys are going to start off their career by actually proving to you know the big dogs of the, the yeah. room that they're going to stick around. And you'll find very much so the Dudley boys will be kind of fulfilling that acolyte's role in a few years' yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. You know? And again, much like Edge and Christian, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy being kind of road tested a little bit, it's like kind of, you know, fuck it, let's put them in front of a pay-per-view audience. Let's not keep them on heat for mm. a year or in developmental or try and cope with something. Let's just fucking put them out there, let them work for themselves, let them get themselves over. And this is what slowly but surely happens yeah. with these guys. It's made me excited to see them again now that's for sure it's booking yeah. that is too risky for these days no one's gonna go right just take fucking Sami Zayn from NXT put him on Raw and put him into matches and it'll work out yeah. that would never happen anymore back then a little more haphazard I suppose it's time for our next match we actually said at one point I wish these I think it was the recent episode we're like why didn't we put these two in the match Yeah, Luna and Ivory Yeah, but guess what they're only willing to give it to us Luna versus Ivory hardcore match for the women's title Hardcore match. Why? Why did it have to be hardcore? I know. I Seriously. want to see it in the ring. I really yeah. want to see these two have a proper match. Uh, you know how I said before for that match, it was one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, this one trumps it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like talking about taking two ladies completely out of their element. It's like this is the Al Snow boss man fucking match yeah. you put them in. Was Luna gonna fucking handcuff Ivory to the thing and? It doesn't even start off as a match. No, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a scheduled match, so you'd think it'd start in the ring. Yeah. It's just. Ivory is just walking through the you know the backstage area. Then Luna comes out of nowhere and punches him in the back of the head. Bell rings. Ding ding ding. <laughs> I've never seen right a hardcore match start like that. It's not so much a brawl as a slow disassembly of the backstage area. They walk over to some boxes, just take them all apart. Yeah. Walk over to these crates, take them all apart. Like it's just like slowly unpacking everything. Luna picks up a box and then throws it about a meter away from Ivory. Then Ivory picks up like a sledgehammer and throws that about a meter away from Luna. Like they're not throwing anything at each other. That not once does anyone get hit with a weapon in this match. It's it's tough because these are two women wrestlers who are fucking awesome and I respect yeah. them both. I'm not trying to say here that these are bad workers because backstage brawling isn't fucking you know work if you know what I mean it's like there's an art form to it and there's a science to it yes but they're, they're clearly not in their right element here I love Jeff Jarrett and D'Lo Brown but I wouldn't want to see them have a backstage brawl yeah. you know only certain guys can do it and definitely. Ivory and Luna definitely can't it's a shame we get like Harvey Whitman so bad because you can hear him like audibly like this entire match like we get this part where like Luna is getting pinned by Ivory and she's in a bin mm. but she's kind of like halfway out and Harvey Whitman just goes her shoulders aren't down. <laughs> no shit. Good lord. And we got some cardboard attacks. Harvey. Harvey at one point. One of the ladies is leaning against the wall. He goes, uh, shoulders are down. One, two. It's like. What a dick. It's an idiot. Tell us that the shoulders are down. We get, we get a vertical pin yeah. at one point. JR says, 
that that is the first time he's ever seen a vertical pin. He's obviously got a very short memory. Obviously got a very short memory. <laughs> he doesn't remember the Al Snow uh, boss man match where he gets vertical pinned to a fence. But two months ago. <laughs> yeah, know, right? Literally two months ago. <laughs> man, fast times in WWF, right? Tori appears dressed as the Godfather. Ugh. Ivory just clocks her immediately. I love that. It's like, Tori's like, ah! I'm like, no, boom. You don't fit in here. Get out of here. Ivory hits Luna with a pole, wins pretty much a nothing match. Russo obviously had a contractual obligation yeah. to provide at least one hardcore my, brawl. Yeah. And he sacrificed the ladies' match for it. Yeah, my, my favourite part of this match is what immediately follows it, where it cuts to uh, Lillian Garcia, and she just goes, Wow, what a fight. Wow, what a fight. <laughs> it's, the, it's the most like please put it in here it's the most insincere you know what wow, fucking what happened fight. to us right here I just realised this what? we just got fucking swerved by Vince Russo time travel Vince Russo goes oh those 80 boys they wanna they wanna see Ivory and Luna wrestle <laughs> backstage brawl never been done before <laughs> damn it Russo damn you you got us again oh god we mentioned that Billy's obviously going to have his heart broken in this pay-per-view uh, later on. But it's time for a little pre-heartbreak heartbreak, Billy. Yeah. Edge and Christian have a championship match. Hey! Yeah. Against the New Age Outlaws. Back from the dead. For the 12th time. Seriously. Already. They've been broken up for what? Three months? Yeah. Seriously, take a bit of a break, guys. Come so, on. So, we've had recently the Rock and Sock connection appear on our timeline, which mm. is pretty awesome. That is something which we'll get to talk about, I suppose, a little bit more in depth in, you know, in the next paper. When they actually have a match together. What happened, Rock and Sock had won the tag belts, everything was going pretty cool, and then I think whatever the idea was, was that maybe we need bigger star teams, instead of giving the rub to the likes of Edge and Christian, or the Hardy Boys, and working with The Rock and Mankind, New Age Outlaws are brought back. Yeah. After, like, it's so stupid... And it's never explained why. Road Dog was injured by, by Jericho in a match. He was gone for five weeks, comes back, and he's with Billy Gunn. That's mm. it. Like, as if nothing has happened. God, that's, that's uh, really uh, fucking awful booking just to suddenly, like, you know, bring back the New Age Outlaws for no reason whatsoever and then slap the, ta- the tag team titles on them straight away, again, for no reason whatsoever. Giving them the belts over the, you know, a more deserving younger tag team. I mean, you never see that nowadays, would you? Like, it's <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy because it's like kind of. Alright, the logic is this. It's like, alright, everyone loves the New Age Outlaws. And alright, that's obviously that they do. They love the New Age Outlaws more than they love Road Dog and Billy Gunn in singles careers. Mm. That's fine. But that's not enough justification to bring them back in. You as a writer have got to come up with something better than that's what they want. (laughs) You know, I mean, I want Daniel Bryan to be champion at the moment. But I don't want to just win it tomorrow just because that's what I want. Fucking tell a story, story, man. It's, it's it's, (laughs) It's ridiculous. The outlaws being back, it just reeks of no plans, lol. And the crowd, though, they you can tell straight away, though, like everyone backstage is kind of going, yeah, we did the right thing. Because the crowd are so into the shtick. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Crazy. Usual. Most noise they make all night. Definitely. Charlotte, welcome to the doghouse. Where you know the New Age outlaws always kick that shears knit doggy side. Now then, let's see if we can make a little noise up in this bitch! Go ahead, yell, JR. I know you want to. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Degeneration X proudly brings to you its WWF Tag 
We, we get a sign which I do like which is uh, we've been converted to Christianity <laughs> which, which which did make me laugh good for you guys it's a, it's a, it's a clever sign <laughs> yeah, and I like it clever sign well I got two words for you King Billy <laughs> yeah. well, well actually when they're in the ring and they're doing the bit where he goes we got two words for you uh, Jerry the King Lawler goes oh I've got two words for uh, Mae Young and Moolah and then JR just goes uh, well you mean a, a figure of speech right you don't actually mean oh, <laughs> no. again just, I, uh, just dancing on the line there. Yeah. I worked out another thing I don't like about the New Age Outlaws by the way oh. um, it's something I've never noticed before so I think it's new it's part of their Titantron one of the first things in their Titantron is a picture of Stan and Kyle from South Park <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's pandering to your audience to the highest fucking oh my, degree that's true that's, that's alright we've been trying to figure out you know with the recent, with the current product at the moment, I mean, we don't talk about the current product much, but obviously, with the New Age Outlaws currently in 2014 being the WWF Tag Team Champions, mm-hmm. is kind of presence. It's not clicking at the moment, is it? No. Nope. And I know why, because they're not making these pop culture references. Yeah. You bring out Road Dog with a fucking community T-shirt. Yeah. You know, yeah. what else is the kids like? Adventure Time. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. something like that. Boom. Problem solved. Fashion <laughs> Road Dog wearing an Adventure Time T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, grabbity, grabbity, grab your friends. <laughs> miggity, 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 mathematical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So surprise, surprise. This match is. It's a kind of an odd one because we got Edge and Christian working with the New Age Outlaws, but we got a lot of commentary and all they're doing is talking about doggy style. Jerry Lawler goes on for a good 10 minutes. Seriously, yeah. I feel so bad for Jim Ross tonight because like Jerry's just seriously gone off the rails. He's like had too many cans of Red Bull or something. He just won't stop talking about sex all night. He's, he's all right, there's been vibrators and old women being beaten up and yeah. a misogynist in the ring being a misogynist and accusations of a man beating his girlfriend. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> he's tired. <laughs> uh, Jim Ross at one point says Billy Gunn when I road dog was like a big old battleship without a runner he was fucking king of the ring <laughs> what more he, can you he went as far as he could go without road dog <laughs> and then fucked it up he's a, he's a battleship that blew up all the other battleships but then no one wanted to have a war with him because he was boring <laughs> Road Dog can't fix that oh guess what happens surprise surprise Road Dog gets worked over yeah, yeah. I wonder what will happen yeah I wonder what that's leading up to I wonder what will happen maybe JR will call Christian Christopher <laughs> <laughs> that happens by the way <laughs> not before Jim Ross gets uh, he gets zinged really good by King uh, they start talking about Moolah and Mae Young again and Jerry Lawler just goes are you going to tell us what a football team Moolah and Mae Young used to oh, work for got you there. and Jim Ross straight away was who told you that in the headset who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon and fucking Kevin Dunn like shuffling yeah, back yeah yeah bastards so yeah Road Dog getting worked over I never would have guessed it yeah actually no yeah Billy me and Kevin watched this last night and Kevin can vouch for this like you, I'm fucking pissed off with you, man. You, you fucking ruined the New Age Outlaws. I know we've said this. No, I didn't ruin the New no, Age he Outlaws. Didn't, yeah. The New Age Outlaws ruined the New Age yeah, Outlaws. Think about, think about this, right? If for whatever, like a, some sort of dark timeline, like uh, it's a wonderful life shit where Billy never existed. 
And you're watching this match, you still wouldn't know that the New Age Outlaws were, were, were doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I know. It's just that I was living in this happy ignorance until Billy pointed out, and I literally there's... haven't enjoyed the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> but there's no way you could be watching all these shows in order like us and not see it straight away. That's true. You know, when stuff gets repeated like that, it's so, it's so obvious. I guess I'm just looking for someone to blame because they were like one of my favourite teams as a kid, and... You were the first person to ever point that out to well, me. Well, no, because right, here's the thing. Right, if you're someone you're kind of like, fuck those guys, I like the New Age Outlaws. You go back and you watch one New Age Outlaws match, you go, yeah, they're fucking awesome. What are they on about? Watch five. Yeah, watch five. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Then see what you think. Then see where you stand. Hot tag to Billy Gunn. Who would have thought the new brood appear and attack Edge and Christian? Famouser, New Age Outlaws win and retain the tag team titles. It was an okay match. I suppose the problem I had with it was that I thought that Edge and Christian clearly couldn't do a lot of the the stuff that, maybe that they would have wanted to do, it felt like, because mm. the style of match was very much, this was a New Age Outlaws laid out match. Yeah. And I, I suppose they're older, they're senior, seniority, so that's just the way it's going to be. What I did like, though, was that Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy and Edge and Christian are getting some storylines going. Yes. Look forward to that. I didn't like the ending. Oh, um, a run-in, like... Not the fact that it was a run-in. The fact that we had a instant replay before for mm. a screwy finish. <laughs> and not again for any other of the screwy finishes that we have tonight. No. Fucking scabs, Can man. fucking consist- have some consistency. That's the whole point of scab refs. They're by their nature. A scab, by its very nature, is an inconsistent item. I guess, but just make it fucking clearer, like. I suppose, you know. Also, I should just quickly say as well, the uh, the Billy Gunn hot tag at the end there doesn't really count for the Nando's source meter because we all saw it coming like a fucking mile away. It's hardly a Nando's hot tag because, I mean, if you had Nando's every night of the week, you wouldn't care about the sauces, would you? Yeah, that's true. It's the same thing over and over again. Exactly. That hot tag is just like, again, again. Again? Nando's? Yeah. I've eaten a half chicken in the last day, like, no. Alrighty, moving onwards, we get a recap of the British Bulldog being a big old heel. Boo, British Bulldog. Boo. British Bulldog, who is a shell of his former self. Oh. It upset me greatly to see him like this. Seriously. I mean, what is his accent now as well? He just he sounds so fucking frail and like really like hard done. Like he's been through some rough couple of years or whatever. I mean, I know nothing about the British Bulldog. Uh, what happened to him in his absence, you know, the few years he was away from Well, we mentioned he had gone, he had taken, the, he left after Montreal, mm. as did, you know, Nightheart as well. And he was in WCW, big contract, never was really featured that much. And he got, you know, the, the injury with the, the Warriors rampway, which, which we mentioned. The trap, door. the trap door, which he wasn't told about, and he fucked up oh, his yeah, back. Of and, you know, uh, the, the, apparently, like, the injury was really, really bad. He was very, very much, you know, he was let go from WCW or whatever. He was a free agent. I think at this point, Bulldog knew that the clock was ticking in terms of how much money he could make, hmm. you know, with his injuries. You know, he was he was, he was, was in a bad way, really. You can tell he was in a bad way. Yeah. And I think it was a combination of him really, you know, apparently Brett says in his book that Bulldog's wife, Brett's sister, was always very much kind of, you know, get, you know, get him, you know, you have to have another run. You have to, she was always very much pushing him to. Really? Now, that's, I mean, that's just something that's said in the book. You know, hmm. it's neither true or untrue, to be honest. But... It's a combination of Bulldog clearly being desperate to be back and make have another run and make a bit of money. Also, as well, a point which has come up a few times, which is WWF maybe wanting to see to be like slightly more welcoming to the hearts, you know, after the the tragedy over the edge and things like that. Mm. And many people said that Bulldog being brought back was, in essence, a PR move, kind of a hey, look, you know, we hired you know one of the the heart family. No hard feelings, yeah. No heart feelings, yeah. Really? Um, I know that's a little cynical, I suppose. 
But then again, when you have him backstage with Triple H and they're like they're kind of buddies, it's like yeah. kind of Triple H. He's a great guy. I'm going to make sure he wins the belt tonight. It's like, mate, Montreal, like you know, happened a year and a half ago, <laughs> and that guy right beside him, you know, he was involved. Yeah. So it it rung hollow for me. So you know, it's there's no nice way to swing it. It's not like you know when Mr. Perfect came back in 2002. It's like he had a couple of nice moments. Yeah. Worked with some young guys, and then he was on his way on the plane ride to hell into Never Never Land. <laughs> um, this is not. I don't think it, this this run is is grim. Mm. It's fucking grim, and you'll see why later on. I suppose when we see him in the ring. But anyway, backstage, Mickey C is with the big boss man. Boss man says he's got no regrets. No regrets? About what, big boss man? He's only gone and been big boss man behaving badly all over the fucking shop. Pepper is no more. Pepper was killed. Pepper was fed to Al Snow unwittingly. Pepper's grave was pissed on by boss man. All in the space of a month! Thoughts, Billy? I don't like it. Oh, Can we just have now, like, you know if we ever have a, a, a big boss man behaving badly? Yeah. We can't even draw attention to it anymore. Yeah. Because it's not going to get worse. But <laughs> kidnapping a man's chihuahua, turning it into oh. a, a casserole... Invi- <laughs> Sorry, you missed out the killing part there. Well, that took- <laughs> he took it and he turned it well, into a casserole. <laughs> I don't know what happened in between. I just know that there was once a dog, it is now a casserole. He invites the man to his hotel room to make peace to the point where he's not Al Snow is not even calling him Big Boss Man he's calling him by his his shoot name yeah Ray oh, he's because I go Ray please I just want my dog back he says yeah 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 it's fine it's just fine yeah just eat, eat some of this you can eat some of this too yeah I'll eat some I'll eat some I'll eat, eat this some. ceremonial pre-negotiation <laughs> curry like you know come on he, he eats the casserole and then, and then he, he just says you know that's your dog then kicks the shit out of him and I'll, tries to drown him in it. I'll get sick as well immediately. I'll, I'll, looks like proper sick as well, not yeah, it's like sh- shoot, shoot sick. And then, of course, to cap it all off, is you know, Al is laying there on a fucking hotel bed covered in sick and his own dog. <laughs> Doggy casserole. <laughs> Boston takes a bite and goes, tastes like chicken. <laughs> uh, also, as well, just for the records, in the hierarchy of morality and whatnot. Big boss man, big boss man behaves a lot more. Big boss man behaving badly. <laughs> like, he gets much worse. Yeah. This is fucking... This is a day at the fair compared to what this man's going to do. Even so, though, I just don't like seeing a nice, happy character like Al Snow getting put through this. We, we like, saw what happened last time with Head. Yeah, exactly. But, but Head got a railroad spike for it and it fucked him up. You know, that's just that's just a mannequin Head. <laughs> this is, this is his fucking dog. dog. This is his best friend. <laughs> It's quite shocking. I mean, Boston pissing on the grave as well. Seriously. It's like this little tiny little kind of made out of little bottles and like, it's all like crafty and uh, Bossman's like, hoo <laughs> and pissing on it. Like. Well, we'll no doubt ask this question again a couple months down the line involving Bossman, but um, what is his problem? Like, why is he such a dick? What, what makes him such a tosser? What, kayfabe reason? Yeah, yeah, like, in the storyline, why is he being so much of an asshole? Alright, my my own rec- reasoning for this, this is how I always figured it as a kid, because, I mean, going back all the way, like, because, I mean, you know, he had, like, nails back in the Hogan era, who yeah, was, like, yeah. apparently one of Bossman's, like, you know, uh, guys under his care when he was a prison guard. Yeah. 
and you know apparently Nails was kind of like oh no he's this boss man he fucking bet the shit out of me all this stuff you know he's a bad dude even though boss man was a face at the time what I had to believe is that like boss man was, is just a sadist oh, okay. and Nails was not the baddie Nails was a goodie kind of saying actually no this man is you're cheering for is a very ah. naughty boy and now it's just all these years later it's like boss man from I mean I've watched Oz man you know <laughs> I, you know I, I know what it's what it's, that kind of thing is like it drives a man insane so I think that's my kayfabe reasoning okay, for boss man sense. being such a sadist which is that he's seen the worst of humanity and he takes some sort of sick pleasure in just being a dick now and there you go <laughs> that is bo- that is why boss man big boss man behaves badly <laughs> Backstage, Al Snow is with Lillian Garcia. Tonight, boss man, for everything you've done to Pepper, for the memory of Pepper, I'm going to be all over your fat, donut-eating ass like a one-man crime spree. You fat, worthless son of a bitch! Al Snow cuts an amazing promo. Calls boss man fat twice. Defends the honor of Pepper and says boss man's eating loads of donuts. <laughs> oh, good on you, Al. Good on you, Al. So here we go. Helen in a keller. Sorry, Helen a kennel. Fucking Al, Jesus. How do you fucking start this one? Seriously, how do you even cover a match like this? All right, to, to sum it all up, I think we'll never do as much justice as, Vin, as, as, as Mick Foley saying what you're about to witness is truly horrible. <laughs> Seriously. Hell in a kennel. Now, the only way to get revenge on a man who has killed, cooked, and presented you and made you eat your own dog is to put him in a steel cage, surrounded by another steel cage down the cell, and inside that cracker, we've got to have a, a filling. we got a filling inside there. It's dog-flavoured. You've got a moat made of dogs, basically. It is a steel bread toasty with dog cheese. <laughs> It's what we've got here. Also, it's three-dimensional. It's, <laughs> it's not a good analogy. Oh, God, it's a fucking horrible idea. They have to escape the match, Al Snow and Big Boss Man, and it's surrounded by rapid, scary dogs. Shows how fucking scary they are if you can just be walked around fine on a lead. Seriously, they're just... Oh, okay, I'll get it. When I, when I heard this was a match buzz, I thought that the, the actual inside area was literally going to be do- loose dogs. Nothing but dogs. That was what they pro- that's how like, they promoted it. Even, yeah. even like just two or three, but loose Rottweilers mm. in, in the space in between. Like I would have been mouth, I would have been completely happy with that, even if the dogs did fuck all, which they don't do anything. <laughs> all right, clearly what you're describing there is what Vince Russo obviously pitched before yeah, fucking definitely. anyone with any sense of insurance got involved. <laughs> yeah. Because now we have handlers, because the only thing that makes a dog more scary is a woman in her 20s wearing chinos Ooh, she's got her hair all nice because she's she knows the dogs you know yeah. she gets to know the dogs that's that's she's got a bond with the dogs Ooh, the dogs the, like, the, the, the thing that dogs hate the most are the other dogs yeah. not once do the dogs go anywhere near a wrestler in this match they're just too busy just going fuck it's another dog Bark at the dog. I think the dogs didn't see the promo package. They didn't find out that Bossman killed Pepper. If yeah. they'd have watched that package beforehand, maybe it'd be a different story. Mate, these dogs are fucking awful workers. Seriously. You, like, no, no respect. They should no. never been broken in their business. <laughs> For fuck's sake, this again. Because my dog's not a fake. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the, the main 
funny part about this was they come out to the ring and they take a long time out of the guys because it takes so long to sell up. Yeah, it's like a brawl for all match. It's like, it's like waiting for a bouncy castle to be inflated at a, at a child's <laughs> birthday party. Just sitting there, kind of going, "Wow, here we go. Get a shot of boss man's nasty looking eye. He got the uh, a shot with a glass pitcher on raw, and it was really fucking like yeah. it, it was sugar grass. Whatever went under his eyelid and made it be yeah. awful, really horrible. So uh, they're both in the ring. And just kind of standing there, crowd is deathly silent because they can't see anything. Nope. Two I mean, layers of metal. Two layers of metal. Yeah. You know, it's it's fucking ridiculous. And then Sherry Lawley with the quiet with the line of the night. Uh, where are the dogs? <laughs> to which Jim Ross just says, "I, I don't know. It's not my turn to her." Uh to watch the dogs. Oh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Seriously. Is this not the fucking cheapest pay-per-view you've ever seen? Right, WWF, just for the record, you're in the hottest period of business you've ever fucking been in. <laughs> fucking act like it! <laughs> Try! They're not even real dogs, it's just a picture of a dog. <laughs> the fucking... The dogs come out and they get a dog pop. Everyone's like, hey, there's the dogs. Hey. hey. It's like Cruffs when all the dogs come out. Oh, finally. Not once does Jerry say, here are the puppies. <laughs> Holy shit, you're once. right. You're right. What a fucking imbecile. Immediately, Jerry notes how the dogs are pissing, breaking kayfabe immediately. Yeah. Like, the dogs are pissing a lot. They're pissing everywhere. Like, it's a, it's a natural thing. Dogs, mice, all, most, like, small mammals, if they're in a situation where they're anyway freaked out, it's just, boom, open season. They piss, yeah. right? That is, they piss. And these dogs piss a lot. They piss everywhere. Actually, that's the real danger of this match is the dogs piss. They're slipping on that, my hurt. Like, they should just, like, fill this world moat of dog piss. <laughs> Actually, the match went any longer, they would have had that anyway. <laughs> like, but it's, that is a scary thing. Like, Al gets out at one point and he just goes, Aah! and he runs from the dogs. The dog's just like, dude, what's up? <laughs> Chill out. They don't even care. They don't care. Not even remotely. It's such a bad idea. To make this work, right, what they really need to do here, because this is one of the first times we get a little bit of zoology on this this podcast right to make this really work is they should have got the meanest nastiest fucking dog they could find i bet someone like undertaker farouk has like a real you know dog that would fucking impregnate your wife like a real <laughs> a real nasty piece of business right and what you need to get that dog before this match and get him fucking worked up in some ways like fucking get him all you know all fucking mad and then get him to piss all over boss man and piss all over al and then send them out there. And those dogs that come out would have went fucking apeshit. <laughs> like, ah! Who is this big fucking massive dick dog in the ring? And they would have been all like, oh, no, no, climbing up. <laughs> would have been brilliant. But sadly, missed opportunity right here. Oh, sorry, by the way, all this time, there's a match attempting to go on this is ring. That, I wouldn't no, fucking All, all I can see is there is uh, pliers being put to Snow's ears. Yeah. <laughs> Bossman attempts to escape by going out the top and then decides, no, that's not, that is not really a good idea. No. So basically, he was hoping to get a pop for cutting metal. Yeah. Like, go, wow! Look at those pliers go. How impressive. Bossman gets cocaine out of his bag. It's it, dog powder, mate. Dog powder. Dog powder. <laughs> of course. It backfires. The dogs are now trying to hump each other. Yeah. yeah. Bossman handcuffs Al Snow to the turnbuckle. Al immediately breaks out. Al Undertaker, WrestleMania 15. Yep. A lot of shades of that match in this. Yeah. As in just uh, the absence of, of heat of any sort. Please end this. It's awful. Al escapes, I think. 
He kind of like just gets out. He just walks out the door. He just literally just like. Boss man just standing there. Yeah. The crowd boo Al. It's the fucking quietest, dullest finish I've ever seen, I think. It's it's awful. And like, Al gets head out at one point in this match to get a little, little, little pop. I don't know. It's, all right, here's a hint with this match. Don't have nice people handle the dogs. Because those dogs, like, it's just, it ruins it immediately. Have the fucking acolytes come out. Yeah. I've got a better idea. Don't have this match. Just don't have it. It's a fucking awful idea, top to bottom. There was no way this was going to get pulled off properly in any shape or form. Jim Ross says, we've seen the first and last Hell in a Kennel match yes, at the end of this. we have. Now, it's very rare that announcers... Like, very rarely do WWE kind of go, man, this was fucking shit, wasn't it? This match was one of the first instances the WWF kind of going hands in the air going, you got us, guys. This was fucking awful because within a year, they were lampooning this on Foley's video. Like, yeah. they were, they were yeah. openly making fun of it, which they never did, really. Mm. This was a case of them, even in the middle of the match, kind of going, this is fucking stupid. As Bossman leaves... He's meant to be chased by the dogs. Is that what's meant to happen? A gentle trot. He <laughs> runs away. He gets chased by the trainers who try to make the dogs go with them. And in an end to this match, and it sums it up perfectly what happens, a big fat cunt who's got a dog, he slips and falls on a, on the dog! <laughs> on the dog! Now, who would have thought in their heart of hearts that the major concern of animal cruelty and the major risk factor to the dogs was the fucking handlers themselves? <laughs> you know yeah. what I've got to say, though? Like, I mean, it's easy to get lost in how bad the actual match gimmick itself is. But my, one of my biggest problems with this is that we have this fucking horrible, really, really cruel build-up to the match where Boss Man is just fucking... He's ruined Al Snow's life and he's killed his dog and made him eat it. And then the match ends with, like, Boss Man on his feet... Al Snow escapes from the cage and he's sort of like, <laughs> see ya, yeah. and just leaves. Yeah. And this is the you should want to kill this man. He killed your dog. It's it like how awesome would it have been if Al just came out in a regular hardcore match and just battered the shit out yeah, of Boss Man. Yeah, that would have been amazing if Al finally managed to destroy the Boss Man. Yeah, but this match, I mean, what can you say? People are like, oh, can't wait to hear what you say about this match. Guess what? It's, it was shit. What did you do? <laughs> Who'd have you, seen that coming? You knew we were going to say it was shit. It is shit. It's awful. Is it the worst match we've reviewed so far on the podcast? Definitely yeah. agreed. I think there are matches where there's like, maybe the crowd have been as bad in terms of not caring and there's been like, you know, no, no reason to cheer. But fuck me, this was just like the combination of that and the double gimmick. Sorry, yeah. the triple gimmick. Awful. Abysmal. Awful match. Mickey C is backstage with the sock of the Rock and Sock connection. It's Mankind. Talks about Rock and Sock being together, the six-pack challenge, and all the while ripping off the Rock's promos. Yeah. Love this. Really good promo. Really love this. Alrighty, now it's time for this man making his in-ring pay-per-view debut. It's Chris Jericho, Y2J, coming out with... Uh, some bloke. Curtis fucking Hughes. Uh, That's who that is. I thought it was, um, you know, when Billy Gunn was pretending to be the Godfather in the DX Mock the Nation for bit. For fuck's sake. <laughs> was, like. Oh, Curtis Hughes. The one thing I'll say about Curtis Hughes is he's, he's the man who got, in my mind, the most horrible chant in the history of wrestling. He wrestled a match against Sabu in ECW and the crowd chanted, you can't work at him. <laughs> oh. Talk about cutting a man down. You can't work. <laughs> guess, guess, what, guess what his gimmick is, guys? Sunglasses. All right. Hey. YGJ taking on X-Pac. X to the P to the A to the C, who's filling in for Mr. Kenny Shamrock, who was, sadly, as we mentioned in the last episode, departed for 
Fairer Waters. Yeah. Which is sad because we had a very long build-up for a Jericho Shamrock program and then Xbox is like, I'll fight you <laughs> because I'm the benchmark of the WWF style and they don't trust you. <laughs> Make some noise. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about signs here. There's hundreds of Y2K signs in the crowd tonight. Yes, there is. Of varying kinds. We have the Y, the letter, two, the number, Gay, the word. I was going to say gay, the letter. <laughs> we also have Y, the word. Two, as in T O O, gay. So they're, they're going out of all of it. Just as a matter of interest, how can you be too gay? Why Why too gay, exactly? Yeah, well, that's, that's, excuse me, mate. That's, what, how, what, why, why yeah, that's how I imagine they'd say yeah. it. Right. Like, why too gay? <clears throat> Notice to Attitude Era fans. To turn a phrase, it has to be a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just shove the word gay into yeah. it because you think it's fucking clever. I was very, very, I don't know, weird feelings about this match. I love Jericho. I love X-Pac. Mm. I was very excited to see Jericho and X-Pac face Very off. excited. However, this match has got a couple of weird things happening about it. Jericho is not clicked in yet into this WWF style. He's a step off this whole match. Maybe up until the ending sequence, but up until that point, they're doing quick, quick, move for move, and then Jericho is just like, oh shit, a little, little bit out of step. Yeah. And JR keeps calling it, going, oh, he's out of, out of place there, and like, oh, out of step there. And it's like, don't point it out. Yeah. Well, they, they are pointing it out, and I can see this match going down, right, you know, in front of us, and then kind of, you know, you're, for whatever reason, even though they're not even employed by the company, they click backstage. <laughs> Going, yeah, this this Y2J guy can work. You know, and X Pac is critiquing the match as well, even though he's in the ring at the same time. It's just like Jericho is like digging his own grave here, and mm. I feel really bad kind of knowing that shit, this guy is getting off to a bad start here. Yeah. And it's just it's just a simple it's, he's so close to it being the, this match could be awesome. It should have been awesome. Should have been awesome. Jericho and X Pac. I mean, but reviews at the time were people going over the roof about this because of the style. But looking back now, knowing how good Jericho becomes I have to say I really didn't enjoy this match. Yeah, maybe if this was the first time I'd ever seen Chris Jericho wrestle, maybe I'd think it was kind of cool, mm. the stuff he was doing. But knowing that, I, you know, I've seen some fucking wars with Chris Jericho yeah. in, and this just really let me down by comparison. They never get out of second gear for, like, the first four-fifths of the match. Two things don't help that. One, the crowd are awful. Absolutely Seriously. awful. You are a very rude audience. They're absolutely horrific. They're, They're so bad. They're really rude. They're fucking playing games and shit. The closest I could do in doing my research trying to find online about why the crowd basically just give up on this match. Jericho puts a, a headlock in for around a minute. The yes. crowd are just going, yay, boo, yay, boo. They're, they're out of, completely out of it. Jim Ross is like, oh, the crowd cheering for X-Pac. And the crowd start going, X-Pac sucks. Yeah. X-Pac. I'm like, what is going on? Closest thing I find out is that someone's like, oh, I think there was a streaker in the audience or something like that. Is that what it is? But like, that's just someone saying It was that. just random noise yeah. there. It was all over the I, place. It wasn't a Mexican wave. No. And the crowd was just booing like mad. So someone was causing a scene and being kicked out. But this was the beginning, the first time I can ever recall, of people just going, oh, fuck X-Pac and booing him. It's yeah. X-Pac heat. Yeah. Now, we'll get that a lot more as we go down the line. But considering how beloved this man was a few short weeks ago, for the crowd just to be like, actually, fuck you, you suck. 
they feel like an unruly classroom almost. Like they're just passing notes and talking to each other rather than actually watching the wrestling, which is the fucking reason they're here. I, like, I was incensed though. I'm like, how dare you seriously? boo Xbox? Because yeah. I mean, the last year, Xbox has been untouchable in my mind in terms of in ring work. I don't yeah. know. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, so consistent. You could boo an Xbox. He's fucking put this, he's trying to make this match work. Like, it's it's really strange. Random cheers and chants throughout this thing. Uh, we get Lion Salt though, actually from Jericho yeah. at some point. And Jericho actually does his double power bomb in this as well. A lot of Jericho's moves that he was famous for in WCW just kind of like slowly faded away. Double mm. powerbomb being one of them. Another thing which really hurts this match as well the fact that we keep cutting to Curtis Hughes' big fucking ugly face. Like, he looks so grumpy. He does. Fucking dog eating a bowl of lemons. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking smile. It's the fact that it's always extreme close-up as well. Like literally the frame is just his face. You can't even see the sides of his head because it's just his face. And I'm sitting there with my arms fucking folded going, yeah, as if Curtis Hughes is unhappy to be on national television fuck me that man is so desperate to be on TV he'd fucking he's jumping up for joy inside <laughs> come on shitty DQ finish really disappointing Curtis Hughes just nails the ref yeah. DQ I thought they were getting into that gear towards the end mm. and then we just get shitty DQ finish Awful, awful start to Jericho's tenure in WWE crap match yeah. really crap I wanted to love it and, yes you I, know, I, I thought I would love it but saying this, I, I'm just saying this because I know that a lot of people are probably going to disagree, but it's just kind of, and maybe I'm not judging it fairly because it's like we're judging against how Jericho performs later on, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the timing was off, the crowd was shit, the match didn't come together. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, no, agreed. I agree with you. And on, we're on to now our fucking main event, Jesus Christ. Six-pack challenge with the special enforcer, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's The Rock, Mankind, Triple H, Kane, The Big Show, and The British Bulldog. Let's take a look at how all this came about. SummerSlam is my time to take what is mine, and that is becoming the WWF champion. If there was one justification, it was knowing that I crippled the rattlesnake. Helsley assaulting Austin with a steel chair. Austin is being skinned by Helsley. Stop it! Somebody get in there and stop it! Mick, I know that you're back there and you got what's mine. I want what is mine. You want a title shot? I give you the shot if you let him go. Triple H and Mankind, WWF Championship on the line. Triple H chair! Triple H now, Mankind in the ring, pedigree time. He got it! Triple H with a pedigree. This is Triple over. Will it be? Will it be? Triple H! Yes! Triple H! I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion! You can line them up, and I'll mow them down. The WWF Champion, what kind of man has he become? He wants to destroy all his competition. Now, what I'm going to actually do here now is probably actually playing a bit of fucking music in that promo, because this promo just decides, you know what? This story was so good and so riveting that actions speak louder than narration ever could. Yeah. 
He's playing music! This is the worst package we've had so far in the Attitude Era. This is so fucking abominable. Again, just the cheapest fucking pay-per-view. We've I, put no effort into anything like, tonight. The last three shows have been really difficult just for me on a research standpoint trying to catch up. Just because it's so hard to thread up Vince Russo's nonsense mm. and try and make it seem cohesive. Now, usually what's very handy with this is that you get a nice video package that kind of goes, well, this happened, this happened. Oh, life goes on. Here we go, main event. <laughs> but this did a fucking rubbish job. Yeah. Right, Triple H won the title off of Mankind the night after SummerSlam by breaking Jim Ross's arm and then being forced uh, to get the match with Shane McMahon. Oh, it's crazy. Triple H wins the match. Wins the belt off Mankind. The next fucking week... Triple H is is given out to Linda McMahon, and at one point he threatens to physically intervene. You know, he's like, "Oh, you know, you know, really taking her down a few pegs because Linda was running the day to day because now Vince was gone." And he threatens Linda, and Vince McMahon reappears after, good lord, years it must have been <laughs> since we've seen him last. He interferes, chance Triple H to a match. It's a match to the WWF title. Austin interferes in that match, beats up Triple H. Shane McMahon comes in, interferes as well. He's a special guest referee. Vince McMahon becomes the world heavyweight fucking champion, despite the fact we're never seeing him ever again. That's fine. Next night on Raw, Vince McMahon comes out and he says, I'm gonna vacate this title. That's fucking fine. Get used to it. Vince Russo's gonna vacate every fucking belt in WCW 200 times over. And then Vince says, I'm not gonna be champion anymore because I'm not actually meant to be here in case you remember then Steve Austin comes and says Jesus Christ son because you're a good guy now give me a title match even though I can't do it because my legs are fucking broken and my neck sucks I'll let you be on TV again <laughs> because you know the way he doesn't have any fucking say whatsoever you know because if a legally binding contract happens written in blood written in blood <laughs> a, a legally binding blood contract is written if one of the parties changes his mind it's fucking grand and now the title has been decided six pack challenge but that's fine because Triple H even though he's a baddie now he's the ultimate underdog let's all root for the underdog Triple H in the week before this on Smackdown Triple H defeated the Big Show in a chokeslam match Midian in a casket match Kane in an inferno match and fucking Mankind in a boiler room brawl match and the Rock in a Brahma bull rope match He's the fucking bad guy! <laughs> Jesus <Wow>. Christ! <laughs> right, did you see what fucking happens when the promo package doesn't do its job? Vince Russo's leaving and I'm fucking glad! <laughs> Four weeks! This happens! It's so, it's awful. I mean, alright, first of all, what do you make of Vince McMahon coming back? Nonsense. I mean, he was, he, was, he was bound to come back. Well, he never should have left in the first yeah, place. Exactly, yeah. They, they really booked themselves into a corner by doing that. Oh. I mean, he was bound to come back, but they could have found a more interesting fashion to do it in than turning him face all of a sudden because Triple H just started on Linda. Like, it's fucking stupid. And you know what annoys me? Vince was champion once, and this was it. How awesome would it have been if Vince somehow became the champion, you know, while he was in the corporation, the corporate ministry? Yeah. Because if Vince McMahon they becomes had all the, the champion, gold anyway. Yeah. So. Vince McMahon is the champion. If you're going to do that, and I don't agree with non-wrestlers becoming champions, mm. and that includes non-wrestlers I find highly entertaining, like Vince, or Vince Russo. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, I thought if you're going to do it, do it then. Alrighty, Big Show is out. He is all pouty because Taker is gone and is taking his ball with him. Uh. Bulldog comes out. A tragic he, sight. Yeah, he looks really horrible. He looks really, really horrible. And you're starting to see one of the real tragic things in wrestling, which is when you are a guy who is known basically for his body, and, you know, Bulldog's there doing all his fucking poses and all that, and you've got the likes of Triple H and The Rock. Mm. Like, 
you know, Bulldog is like, oh, look at me, I'm so big. He's doing all his poses. Triple H and The Rock, they they don't make they don't, a deal out of it. They don't it. need to keep posing all the time, yeah. Bulldog just looks tired. It's like yeah. all of the blood is on the surface of his skin at all times. He's like, he's ready to pop. He's just constantly pink. He's really hard to look at. Mm, it's really like, just grim. He's wearing his like old tights as well. Yeah. Like he goes on to wear like the jeans and boots or whatever. And that kind of like fits this version of the character. Mm. But like, just don't come out like looking like Wembley Stadium Reliving kind of. Glory days. Oh no. Randy it's... the Ram. Yeah. That is exactly what he reminds yeah. me of here. Seriously. Mick Foley out next. Have a nice day. is being released around this time as well. Mick Foley's oh, nice. memoir. I have to say it was for me. I actually wrote about it in the Colin Spots article in the issue eight. And that is a very important book in terms of, you know, a lot of fans at the time finding out the inner workings of the business. It's the first one mm. to do that, wasn't it? So you could say around this time was when Kevin became smart or semi-smart. Sentient. Sentient. <laughs> this is when you came online, basically. Yeah, basically. He uh, gets a nice big pop as well. Yeah, Foley mm. gets a big pop as well. It's, Deservedly it's awesome. so. Kane is out next. He is split from Xbox. Xbox saying that he thinks Kane is, can achieve bigger and better things, so they kind of amicably split up the team. Kane was all sad about it, but it was kind of like a you know it's better this way type deal. Is it almost like he let him free, basically? Yeah, it's Harry and the Hendersons. Go, <laughs> yeah, go, you stupid animal! <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn back. I hate you. Suck <laughs> The Rock is out. Amazing pop. It is so obvious that he is now the man. Oh, Crowd yeah. are just like all over themselves chanting for him mm. I'd say the main thing about this match which is awesome is the star power because oh, yeah. people are like fuck yes we want to see this this is this is awesome you know, all the big guys have been saved for this last moment Triple H out as well he is uh, looks like a favourite to win this match and then Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out to a pop which I was like yeah this seems a decent pop mm. uh, Jim Ross right, right, right away Jim Ross is like well The Rock had an ovation but you want to talk about a real ovation nothing compares to Steve Austin it's like Dick really move. that was a really like lame obvious kind of Austin is out for colour commentary yeah right and it's lame and they're trying to make it out like he's the enforcer he's, not, he's just sitting there watching the match trying to make up he's still a big deal even though he's just sat there why not just say that he's injured or whatever? It makes so much more sense. It's, 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 I, I don't, I didn't enjoy this. Because he has this. no legitimate excuse to be the enforcer here. Well, you could just say, okay, why, why isn't Austin in the Well, match? he says he's the enforcer because obviously him bringing back Vince means that he gets a title shot. So he's going to face the winner of this. Right. So they're kind of like, oh, Austin, you know, wants to make sure everything is above board and all that. But like, it's thin. Bullshit. It's thin. Yeah. Like, and, you know, this match is, is fucking awesome, I'd say. I really enjoyed it. Six pack challenge, you think immediately clusterfuck. They're tagging in frequently and what's great about this is that everyone's only in for like two minute bursts yeah no one gets tired guess who looks good in this match really good the Big Show weird, yeah. weird thought isn't it isn't yeah. it and it's because Big Show is surrounded by smaller guys and they do all the stuff where he's like he fucking knocks out like six yeah. people like, you know, it's really 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 good stuff his best outing to date you say he looks good I think he looks good in this. He, he has got a big massive earring in. Oh, right. <laughs> and he looks like a genie. <laughs> big wish, Paul White. <laughs> I want a rattlesnake tie, some snake boots. It's uh, some cool lots of threads in this match. You obviously have Kane and Big Show still kind of feuding. Hmm. Uh, you're meant to have the alliance between Bulldog and Triple H. The most endearing part of this, though, is Mick Foley and The Rock. The yeah. whole match 
Foley is like you know holding some kind of oh go get in there Rock you know you yeah. take the shot he won't when the Rock comes in he won't fight him and all that they're kind of like oh Mick Foley what a good guy but you know right at the end of the match Foley actually goes to work on on the Rock he like, hits a hits a double arm gets Mr. Socko on him it's really cool um, uh, Grin of the Night two hours thirty one minutes and fifty two seconds Kane leaps from the top rope to do a flying clothesline and goes <laughs> Kane's going to sound great because of the behind the mask it's like <laughs> I, I, I would hope though that they have the voice box <laughs> it's an awesome ending sequence in this match I mean I'm not, we're not going to run down every single spot because it's just like fucking it's 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 it's, it's chaotic. Hectic. It's good chaotic though. Yeah. They go outside to brawl at one point as is contractually obliged of all WWF title matches yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. It's it's pretty cool though. We get some really cool spots like a pile driver on the stairs to Triple yeah. H. Mm. Fucking hell. Mankind, like, you got a big move on Triple H. That's nice. Massive move. Very very nice. Rock and Sock double team at one point, though, which is pretty cool. You you get the big thumbs up from from Mankind. (laughs) This is really, like, just... I don't think people realise how much Mankind actually brought out in The Rock. Because just here, it it made The Rock seem slightly human. And you're getting parts of this here where it's like, I think what was holding The Rock back before from being the guy was the fact that, yeah, he's awesome and people love him, but there's this slight barrier in that he's not, he's almost like, he's not like a real person. He's too good, like. There's a kind of a non-personal aspect to him, but you see just a little smile. Him or being just, a straight man here and, you know, finding Mick endearing at times. Or even being annoyed by Mick. Yeah. It just, it, it makes him seem like a more fleshed out character. You get a tombstone pile driver to mankind and outside, The Rock takes Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer. Is this symbolic? <laughs> <laughs> and you see they cut straight to Austin as well. They put the camera on him. He's just got this little smile. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's got a little David Brent smile on him. Like, <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, Rock, you keep your head down. You know, keep, uh, keep, keep going for these title matches. Who knows? Say a couple of months, you'll be in the hot seat. <laughs> Show and Mick are left in the ring. Showstopper chokeslam to Mick Foley. Foley gets fucking rock bottom as well. He's getting all the moves here. Yeah. And then who who has appeared at this point? But the referees. They come out to defy the Jimmy Corderas who's crossed the picket line. They stop the count. So Big Show basically should have won here. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Playing, which is a big moment for the Big Show. Uh, we got ref on ref action. By God, it's refamania. <laughs> and then in one of the most fitting moments, it was kind of like, Steve Austin's not allowed to play with the big boys, so he'll go and beat up all the referees. Yeah. Like a fat, stupid bully who's not allowed to play with his real friends, so he goes bullies the younger kids. Like, <laughs> that is what he does. He beats up all the referees. Austin gets a two count for the Rock. He takes over now as the actual referee. Rock bottom, people's elbow. Bulldog, he hits the Rock with a chair and Triple H just gets the pin. And there you go. Austin has to pin Triple H as well, which is obviously kind of like... They're sending Austin, up. Like, yeah, he, he hesitates, but he's like, well, i got to do it anyway. And yeah. yeah, he counts the one, two, three. I'm going to have to job to you eventually. <laughs> yeah. It is inevitable. <laughs> and there we go. That yeah, was the he, main he, event. He goes to give Triple H the strap. Triple H is a bit rude about it. Stunner. <laughs> there that's you go. It, that's the pay-per-view. Triple H is the first healer you're meant to hate because of all his massive amounts of adversity that he's put up against. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, how sympathetic is Triple H? Before SummerSlam, we were kind of like, yeah, the guy, 
you know, give him a it's fucking shit. Yeah. And then they, you know, they fuck him over at SummerSlam. And then all that horse shit where, like, you know, he loses the belt to Vince yeah. after finally winning it. And then he has to do all that other bullshit. Jesus Christ. He's not a heel at all here. Like, it's ridiculous. The Agilera Podcast. Officially the only place on the internet where you'll hear grown men feeling sorry for Triple H. <laughs> but I do. Yeah, Albeit no, 14 well. years ago. Yeah, yeah. retroactively, like, yeah. I suppose. There you go. That was it. Main event. What were your thoughts on that one? Did you enjoy it? It was a good match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a... I'll be honest, I, th- I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have done just because I was so fucking worn out from the rest of this pay-per-view that at this point I was like really apathetic and like, okay, I just want to finish this now. So if I was in a better mood, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But generally, a, a great match mm. that was. It would have been so much better if everything preceded it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the crowd woke up, which showed you that it wasn't yeah. maybe just a shit crowd. It was just a crowd that wanted to see the big stars and obviously big, uh, the uh, British Bulldog. Notice how we did not mention the British Bulldog once. He did fuck all. Throughout that match. Yeah, he should just, there was no need for him to be there. He was botching basic moves and you could tell his back was sore. And yeah. at one point, Jim Ross goes, he says his back is 100% and he says he's good to go, which basically means, I don't believe him. Yeah. But there you go, Unforgiven 1999, it is in the books. What a fucking dud that was. That was- Fucking yeah. rubbish. Jesus Christ, Vince Russo, let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Go away. Good lord. Alrighty, match of the night, MVP, Adam, match of the night. Uh, easily the main event, obviously. Mm. I don't think there's any argument with that, really. It's got to be that. <laughs> there's nothing else. Like. Uh, MVP, this is really tough because I did like the main event, but no one really stood out to me as being like, oh, he was shit yeah. hot in the main event. And no one before that really stood yeah, out Yeah, exactly. Either. So MVP's really tough. I'm actually going to go. This is very surprising, and this just shows how much we're scraping the barrel here. Uh, I'm going to give my MVP to Jeff Jarrett just because he actually did such a great job of making China look really good earlier. Yeah. And, you know, considering earlier on in the podcast, like a few episodes back, we were like, um, you know, that China, you know, she's never been that great, and, you know, she's never going to get that great. I'm actually starting to come around to China now. I actually really enjoyed that match. I'm looking forward to seeing her singles run. So. Yeah, they worked within her limitations, and I think it worked well. Like, yeah, so know. great job, Jeff Jarrett, for doing that. All right, Billy, match of the night, MVP. I don't really want to give it to anything. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. It's got, it's got to be the main event. Yeah, it's got yeah. to be the main event. You know, it's the only... Real match. Only <laughs> real match. And with MVP, like, there's no one I really want to give it to. I kind of want to give it to the memory of Pepper, but I know I can't. <laughs> Jimmy Corderas? <laughs> I'm going to say Mick. I'm going to give it to Mick Foley. Yeah. Uh, because he was entertaining in, he, he in was his a... little promos when yeah. he's, when he's uh, emulating The Rock. I enjoyed that. And he had these little moments within the main event, which, uh, which made me laugh. And it, Mick was the only person throughout this pay-per-view who properly made me smile. Yeah. Uh, he made me chuckle. So I'd say I'm, I'm going to give it to Mick. Kevin. I'm going to go to the main event for the match of the night. I was going to award it to the Hell in the Candle in kind of a ironic, it's so bad, it's a masterpiece kind of way. But actually watching the match, I was like, no, it's not even like so bad, it's good. It's not Plan 9, it's it, fucking... Yeah, it's not Spider-Man 3 where no. you can enjoy it, like... It's fucking Spider-Man 1, like, yeah. you know, it's just like, I don't want to be here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, MVP, I'm actually going to go for The Rock. I mean, I thought carried himself very well in this pay-per-view. He looked awesome in the main event. He was the guy who everyone wanted to win. I thought he bounced back from a really fucking a shit run in August. Mm. Billy Gunn and Seriously. then Gangrel. Yeah. I know he, uh, we were kind of like, oh, you know, he, he took Billy Gunn down several pegs and all that. At the end of the day, the man fucking deserved better and it was just nice to see him 
the crowd clearly wanted him to be the next guy. Yeah. And I, I, maybe I read in a little bit too much to, you know, him taking Austin's beer or anything like that and Austin's big fucking smile. You never know. But it's kind of like, you know what? This man is probably going to be the face of your company. I'm sure Austin realised that as well. And I thought he did a fucking bang up job at, at, at that time as well. So yeah, Rocky's my MVP. Alrighty, that's going to do it. Episode 19, episode 18 of the Attitude Era podcast. <laughs> nearly, Kevin. You nearly, nearly made it. Damn it. <laughs> it was Unforgiven 1999, Vince Russo's last pay-per-view view and we didn't even do that many Vince Russo impressions in that no. is it the end of the road have we said goodbye to Vince Russo entirely not quite in a potentially fucking stupid and ridiculous move it came out of my mouth so quickly that it had to be a good idea Yeah. and Adam agreed so quickly and then Billy agreed so quickly that I'm convinced it is a good idea despite all evidence to the contrary after this, Vince Russo went to WCW, and Vince Russo had a fucking shocking tenure there. If you want real proper evidence of it, go watch the David Arquette trilogy that OSW did. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take back, and for one time only... One time one only. Time only never, never again. Never again. Never before. Never again. Once in a lifetime. <laughs> we are going to review a WCW pay-per-view. And what encapsulates the weirdness, the warped mindset of Vince Russo, and the politics, and the backstage, and the bullshit <laughs> more than Bash at the Beats 2000 for one night only. Attitude Podcast is going down south to WCW, <laughs> and we're going to review Bash at the Beats 2000. Leap forward in the timeline, but back several years in common sense. We're going to review it, and it's going to be our tribute to Vince Russo. It's going to be our little goodbye. It's going to be yeah. our proper goodbye to Vince Russo. We will not be discussing, really, the storylines or superstars. This is going to hopefully more aim to be a critique of Vince Russo. What went wrong with his career? Why is he remembered so poorly? And how was his legacy in WWF. Well, that's going to do it for us in this time on the Attitude Era podcast. All this to you now is that you know if you want to follow us, keep in touch with us. Follow us on Twitter at AE Podcast. We live tweet raw. We don't like Wade Barrett. We get tweets from people who like Wade Barrett about <laughs> us not liking Wade Barrett. Apparently he's made more money than I ever will. Damn it. Check us out on Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. Head on over to Reddit, downvote anything I post, <laughs> before I even get it up there. Down, 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 down. Got it all off your chest? Yeah. <laughs> if you like visual mediums, you can go to youtube.com slash podcast and you can find some clips on there that we've edited and some of the highlights from our previous episodes. You can also find us on Vine for little short video bursts. That's attached to our Twitter account that Kevin just mentioned. And also, it's probably worthwhile idea now mentioning that we've said in the past, we are associated with Calling Spots, of great wrestling fanzine. The next issue coming out is going to feature a great article about Vince Russo by Kevin and then a little piece about Jake Roberts by me. And if you like things, <laughs> go to botchamania.com. We've got some stuff up there. Your, your plug does more than real advertising ever could. <laughs> we have teamed up with Piledriver Wrestling, an OSW reviewer. We have joined their fantastic new website, which is piledriverwrestling.net. All their episodes are up there. You can listen to them on that site. Download them there directly. We also have a forum now, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. We're trying to get that off the ground. If you're listening, head on over to piledriverwrestling.net. Check out the forum. We have our own section in there. You can connect using Facebook. It's quick, it's easy. We all post there. We're trying to get some discussions going. It's a fucking awesome site. We're really happy to be on board with this. And I think that's going to do it for now. It's a goodbye for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And I swear to God... 
You's gonna see us next reviewing WCW, and they ain't gonna think Kevin's knowledgeable about that product. <laughs> <laughs>